Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Episode 299. You know what that means, Jeff? That you're gassing it up. Should I not be? I don't know. We don't, I don't, have, know a, we don't have a guest for 300 yet, so <laughs> let's like let's just chill out Facts on... are facts. This is episode 299. It doesn't have to be. We should celebrate that. No. It, Great it job. Be, it can be whatever episode we want it to be. By, by getting it to this point, mm-hmm. 299 episodes. And so, Jeff, I thought for the intro, I would reach out to the internet and say, hey, guys... What do you want us to answer? And Jeff, what did the internet have to say? They said, this is a clever way of getting around the fact that we didn't have an, in- an idea for the intro, I guess. Is yeah, that- I didn't want to talk about like, you know, normal stuff or Facebook stuff or the weather. <laughs> is that- the- <laughs> when have we ever talked about the weather? Uh, probably never, because uh, talking about the weather is like the lowest common denominator. Sure. So I'm glad that we avoid that. We mm. made it 299 By the episodes. Way, it's really nice out right now. <laughs> Before we even talked about the weather. It's like 60 degrees out. Listen, the weather's been crappy. The weather's been great. Who cares? I care. What does the internet great. care about? All right. Young Citizen, our man from North Carolina. Yes, sir. Said, what are y'all's favorite R&B artists? Wow. What would you say? Right now? Ari Lennox? Yes, definitely. How about any like classic R&B? The Ooh. OJs. Okay. The Spinners. Okay. The Temptations. Okay. I'm really into I'm into like Philly Soul. I'm into Willie Hutch. Is there a point now where like no one's going to be surprised by like any answers that people have? You know when they're like, "Hey, what's the new artist to pay attention to?" It's like, "Man, everyone listens to the same shit." Willie Hutch is the new artist everybody should pay attention to. <laughs> Um, MF Gloom, great name. That is a great name. At Pontification on Twitter said, did you have beans on toast when you came to London? I, I, I definitely had beans. I don't we had, think I had it was a on full toast. English breakfast. I didn't have it on toast. Well, yeah. Is that something where you choose to have it on the toast or is it like served to you like that? You know? No. You don't know what I'm saying? I have no idea what you're saying. Okay. Do you get toast and beans mm-hmm. and put the beans on the toast? I had a deconstructed beans on toast, <laughs> meaning I had beans... And toast. Yeah. Dave Castles said, would y'all ever do a podcast tour interviewing artists or creators in those cities? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, think so. That is an idea that we have uh, had for a while and one that we've pitched for a while. I don't want to go to every city and just like interview people, like 30 people at a time. No, no. It was more like, let's get Lupe in Chicago. Right. Like big names yeah 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 yeah. not like upcoming talent being like hey so i've never met you and i've never heard of you tell me all your story where's willie hutch from i don't know <laughs> that makes it difficult also difficult i mean he was on motown he's I dead guess. yeah all right so next <laughs> all right um next question sgc teen library oh from uh staten island the saint george library center mm-hmm. in staten island said do you have a library card yes i do okay favorite book I don't know what my favorite book is. I'll tell you my favorite book from 2019. It was called The Library Book. It was by Susan Orlean. Mm-hmm. Everyone should go check that out. I'm currently reading Fordlandia, which is about Henry Ford building a factory in Brazil. Yeah. Come to Brazil. Had the uh, had the book for a while. and then Well, I gave it to Dad, and then I didn't read it for a very long time. I thought I gave it to Dad. I gave it to Dad. I'm pretty sure I did. And then it was in my library. Pretty it's sure the, I gave it to dad. It's the library book. Yeah, it's the library book. Um, JPN Inc. 1 said, who's on your wish list for the pod this year? Man. Too many people. A lot of people. Uh, two chains. I, I also don't want to like give out too many names. Yeah, that's that's always a tricky thing, too. I don't want people to think I'm a disappointment. Right. 
Um, Jay Crack said, when is Schoolboy Gang on the podcast? See previous question. <laughs> Rod Almighty said, top three favorite rap ad-libs. Let's do three between us. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like it's going to end up being four, but it's I, fine. I have one that's early. Is it too early? I don't know if it's too early, but it is a favorite right now, today. Mm-hmm. baby saying, let's go. I can't tell if you're saying let's go and it's short or let's go like Buster Rhymes on. Well, it's not It's not Buster Rhymes, let's go. It's let's go. That's a line. That's not an ad lib. An ad lib is Jim Jones. You know what an ad lib is. Yeah. Sorry, Judge. That's not a line. Right. That's not a line. Right. But let's go is not a line. Yes, it is. He wrote that. That is part of the line. That is. That is. Okay. I'm going to move away from this. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say Cameron saying sturdy chin. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good ad lib. <laughs> yeah. I also like uh, Juicy J going, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Black Boy JB. That's on my mama. <laughs> All I right, like, so there we go, four. Oh, I'm, well, I have a few more, but okay. Do you want to go? No, it's all right. Okay. I think the internet can live without me going through <laughs> A bunch more. El Brain, a.k.a. C-K-O-S. Mm-hmm. C-K-O-S. I think so. Said, last dope movie you seen. Okay. Um, well, we've seen a lot of movies. 1917, phenomenal. Yeah. Jojo I, I, Rabbit. I, I want to see 1917 again. I uh, I watched, I rewatched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on the plane back from Seattle. Uh, Parasite is amazing. I haven't seen that yet. Little Women. Skip from BK. Our man from Brooklyn yes, said, what are your top five favorite songs in your catalog? Oh, man. Well, I'm going to assume that that is uh, the catalog of It's the Real Song. So let's just say Suns Out, Guns Out is up there. Let's say Girls with the Dirty Souths is up there. Yeah. Let's say uh, Waco is up there. Uh, oh, and definitely go and stream Sugar High with us and Currency and Smoke Dizzy. Let's get that over a million on Spotify. I think we're missing one. Throw your ass is like a metaphor. That's a good one. All right. Jonathan R. Sin said, which film directors would you consider and or enjoy having on the podcast to have a career-spanning conversation with? Fantastic I, question. would love to hear an It's the Real and Greta Gerwig conversation or an It's the Real and Spike Jones conversation. So we reached out to Spike Jones last year. Many a time. A bunch of times. Yeah. Hopefully it happens this year. There have been other directors we've we've tried to get on here. Uh, let's just say yeah. that is certainly one direction we are looking forward to uh, moving in this year. Ernest Wilkins, our good friend out in Chicago, said, Desert Island, you can only listen to one group's records together and solo forever. Yeah. Mob Deep or UGK? Well, with all due respect to Mob Deep, who without them, we don't have our name, UGK. Right, because they say, it's the real shit that make you feel shit, dump them in the club shit. Yep. I feel like I would listen to more Mob Deep. No, you would not. Are you joking? I don't know. You don't know if you're joking? <laughs> I can't tell if I'm joking. I feel like I'm, I am I feel like I listen to more Mob Deep than UGK. Wow. Okay. I don't think Abundance is going to be like pissed about that. It doesn't matter. It's up to you. I'm just surprised. Yeah. Soulful Mike said, favorite pair of sneakers from 2019. Oh boy! I only uh, wear my the same shoes every time. That's not true. You don't enjoy other pairs of shoes beyond the Agassiz that you got in 2019. You have, I a, like, you have a good shoe collection. I like opening them up. I, you, you do, <laughs> Jeff does unboxings. That's just yeah. check that out online. <laughs> YouTube.com/slash/it's the real. Uh, 
I guess the Supreme Tailwinds. I like those a lot. Lauren Passo said, when did you realize that you were funny people, that you could make people laugh? Maybe a moment when you were kids. I was in fourth grade mm-hmm. in my classroom, and I, I got up while my teacher was teaching and started like doing shit like i started i I did like a hula dance Mm. and people were uh amused yeah dying laughing class clown i was also in fourth grade actually and i had a pair of shoes um we didn't have uh you know the the nice shoes like we have these days uh we had a pair of shoes that maybe you picked up at like caldor or something like that and i made a joke about them to some of my friends and they laughed and I felt really good about myself. Also, there's another moment. I remember after I graduated college, I went out to L.A. for business and I came back and I I had a certain way of telling these insane stories of things that I had gone through, you know, with renting the car or people I met out there, whatever. This is right after I graduated college. I came back and, and I told stories to Mayo and Shin and you guys and I remembered getting a huge reaction of being like, you know, a, a sense of humor that's very much like the ones that we have today and that we share. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so it goes. No soy Irwin. I am not Irwin. <laughs> said, what are y'all making for dinner? Tonight? Great question. I don't know. It is, well, we probably have like another hour and a half, two hours, something like that. So I don't know. Catch us after the podcast. Also, it's New York City. I'm not making dinner. <laughs> Straight Razor Fresh said, you and all your brothers, so that's all three of us, Yes. stranded on a desert island, which bro will you eat first? It's right, a great question. Right before this. It's a great question that... I has, put out word, I was just like, we've got, we're so proud of the questions that we've gotten so far, and this is the first one that came in after that. Mm-hmm. It's not, a great question. It's not a great question. <laughs> I would say I would eat Eric. Oh my God. Because Dan knows how to make money. Oh my God. <laughs> On the desert island. <laughs> Dan can start a business. Next question. Bluto the Don said, which Rosenthal has the best sneaker game Dan included in consideration? Uh, I'm going to say Jeff does. That is very false. I would no, say Eric. No, that, Jeff has the best shoe collection. I wear one pair of shoes. Because everything else is DS. <laughs> yeah, it's all dead stock. Pragmatic said, hidden talent we don't know about. I think that most people know about my impressions. <laughs> That's where you were going? I thought you were going to say that you have a, a sick dab. I do have a really sick dad. And Jeff, you don't even break it out for the public. No, I can do the shoot. <laughs> I can do the um I can do all the all, all the young kid dances. All the dances. Very cool. Yeah. Fly Young Sam said, Who cleans the bathroom in the crib? Eric or Jeff? Well, Hold here's up. the thing. We've only had two bathrooms in both of our apartments. <laughs> I clean my bathroom, you clean yours. Yeah. So. Not cleaning Eric's bathroom. What a stunt, by the way. Two bathrooms in this place. Fuck I look like. <laughs> Eric's assistant. <laughs> But I clean mine. I mine is the guest bathroom for like when people come over for the podcast. So also, more more people see my bathroom. Uh, Jeff has two excellent framed uh, photographs in his bathroom mm-hmm. of Puff Daddy on a Halloween uh, evening, <laughs> dressed up like a Spartan. Yeah. Well, it was so. If people want to look it up, I have two framed pictures of Diddy at Mariah Carey's 2005 Halloween party. They're very very funny. I really enjoy it. And it's and it's funny whenever, you know, like someone, uh, a guest uses the bathroom and comes back and they're just like, that, those are really funny. I got to be honest. I'm very happy that Ryan Leslie did not use the bathroom when he was over here. Uh. I just, that was something I was worried about before he came over and I, I'm really glad that he didn't. Yeah. And the last question. Yes. Devin, no one cares. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, 
A lot of people care, Devin. <laughs> he said, when's the last movie that made you cry? Well, as everybody knows, I watched Jerry Maguire recently on a flight mm-hmm. and uh, weeped. Weeped? Weeped when... Uh, wept? Yeah, how oh, I wept. You... <laughs> Full on cried. Were you... Which which seat were you in? Middle? Uh, I don't remember. I was fully engrossed in the movie, Jeff. <laughs> Jerry Maguire. Very emotional movie. <laughs> I don't think it is a very emotional movie. <laughs> well, when's the last time you watched it on a plane? I guess I have There's... a movie to watch when we go to Miami <laughs> next week. Jeff, who's on the podcast today? Riggs Morales. Riggs Morales, the vice president of A&R and artist development at Atlantic Records, formerly of Shady Records, formerly of The Source magazine. There's a lot of, as we know, different ways to make it, quote unquote, make it in the music business. And I think Riggs is an excellent example of you know, going your own path. He loved the idea of the music business, but didn't see a direct path in. And when an opportunity came to work at the Source magazine, he took it, not knowing that like, okay, yes, this is the step that will bring me here, that will bring me here, that will bring me here. And what's cool is he got to where he wanted to go, but not necessarily by any blueprint. And if you look at where he's had his hands this entire time, whether that's finding an M&M tape in a huge refrigerator box full of cassettes or finding Lin-Manuel Miranda off-Broadway. Oh, I thought you were going to say like hiding within the giant box of cassettes. <laughs> There's no perfect singular way to, again, quote-unquote, make it. There is... Well, I mean, sure, you could you could do Blood Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's right. You, you could do Like Us and join the Illuminati. Yeah. But... The, the the harder and perhaps more satisfying way is to just be a good person and just work hard, and eventually you'll make it. And I think that's something that if you look at the last 299 episodes, that is a commonality that you'll find with just about every single person we've had up here. Except for episode 200, where we talk about our story. <laughs> Again, blood sacrifice, yeah. Illuminati. <laughs> so, uh, Riggs Morales, this is a great episode. Shout out to Riggs, who we looked to make this happen for a, a, a while, and I'm glad that we finally did, and what a great guy. Jeff, when do you want to get into it? Right after I tell people, wherever you're listening, smash that subscribe button. Jeff, when? Right now. Anything else? I'm good. Are you good, Riggs? Yeah, I'm good. All right, great. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Cancel Pita, a.k.a. Dragon, my mink. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Drop a Dime on You, a.k.a. Empire State Building. Hey, this is big, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see that one. Yet, that was awesome. <laughs> yes, your third favorite podcast, Waste Time with the Real. Riggs, what's happening? I'm good, man. Shit, I, I, I know not have came in with the whole Riggs flair. <laughs> It's small. Oh Ooh. man, Riggs Ross, uh. <laughs> but I didn't know so. Riggs Ross is really good, so. man. We got a lot to cover, right? But I do want to start with this, and it's amazing timing, being that you're recording here at the beginning of January, 17 years ago yesterday, in the club by 50 Cent dropped. Oh wow! And I know exactly where I was. I was pulling into Jamie Gary's driveway. We're going to watch football, and Funkmaster Flex played that record for like at least an hour straight. Where were you that night? Were you at Jamie Gary's house? <laughs> no, I was not. Because that was a that was a game changing moment, not just for like Shady Records and and really Interscope, but like 
hip hop at large. And it just seems like it's everything before in the club and everything after. I agree. It's funny because I recently saw like a debate as to what was the, the most highly anticipated debut like in recent rap memory and somebody brought up Illmatic. I'm like, no, because there wasn't, at, at that time it just dropped. It almost like it was the Beyonce album before the Beyonce album, but it was literally between Snoop and 50. Like Snoop's debut oh in the 50s God. with Fifth. It's just like, because I was so surrounded by it. You kind of like don't realize how big it is. And then when you finally hear, when I heard it in the club, it's like, oh, wow. You know, but then in the back of my mind, because again, we're so into it, I'm like, damn, that was a D12 joint. So, um, you know, so. Uh, yeah. Well, go Fifth. Yeah. So how did it, how did it get from D12 to 50? I think once Fifth got signed, he just racked up whatever was in front of him that Dre had at his disposal. Like, you know, the, uh, uh, fuck the, 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 the record with, with the shotgun. Yep. Uh, Heat. Heat yeah. was a Rockham record, as you know. You know, Rockham was signed to Aftermath. Yeah, was yeah. Doing a project at Aftermath, so Fifth just went in and just he was in such a zone. That was Apex Fifth creatively. Just like his ability to just, you know, he knows what he likes. He knows it, and he just took it somewhere else. So you were there for the whole process of yeah. that first album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fifty, you know, comes in with all this baggage. Fifty mm-hmm. is, you know dropped from columbia 50 is you know known as a street rapper 50 gets your attention how i'm smoking weed with shaw money excel oh man (laughs) so shaw prior to you know being 50s guy was just this really dope producer in the new york scene and um we'd always catch up and he was he was always good for one or two bangers on a beat tape and um you know i knew that he was working with fifth and i was looking at the fifth thing from afar kind of like damn you know, like, what's going to happen here? At the time, I was still wiping off the residue of being a music journalist. Yeah. So I can honestly say I wasn't the biggest fan. You know, I was just like, he just reminds me so much of, like, Mace and kind of that New York-centric thing that everybody at the time was doing. Um, but then, you know, unfortunately, once he got, you know, shot, it added a completely different dimension and dynamic to music, perspective, the whole nine yards. And... um you know, Shy and I would kick and he would play me music. I'm like, and again, I'm going, damn, like, this kind of make, would make sense here. But it's too risky. At the time, you've got to bear in mind, like, it was the Murder, Murder Inc., like, wave. Yeah, yeah. And nobody wanted to damage any business relationships with, uh, with them. But I've always felt like, man, we don't play in that sandbox. We're not looking to rock over Irv Gotti beat anytime soon. Nothing against Irv Gotti, but it wasn't part of the Sonics that we had Dr. Dre, you know? So, um... You know, and the stars starting aligning, you know, um, I know that M, uh, Paul had brought M, Paul Rosenberg had brought M up to speed on uh, on 50 during 8 Mile. But if you know anything about M, he has blinders on whenever he's focused on something. So it's not really something that, you know, was of priority. But I know that we were all fans of his in the office of, of, uh, of 50. And slowly but surely the stars aligned and there was one time uh it was m's head of security at the time box box uh, would come in once i want to say every other week and just rack up you know what you got for me rigs and i just have a <laughs> bunch of mixtapes from even you know from jay grand to absolute if you had a mixtape i was like i had it and i was you know and box was just getting like stuff just to play just to go back you know, just to yeah. go back to uh to keep to keep him current and mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah and one of those things was you know 50 50s music and um he played it in the car and again the stars aligned it seems like he played it right when uh m was wrapping up and just was getting out of the uh 
the eight mile zone, you know, battle rap, you know, going back to you know, the rabbit roll. Yep. Um, and next thing you know, about three days later, you know, there's a meeting. Three days later, there's a deal. And here we are, you know, Get Rich or Die Trying came to fruition. In your memory, was there any competition for 50 at the time? Not that I recall. I know that Universal was making a play for Fifth. You know, but again, the to pull the trigger, I don't know that anybody wanted that baggage. Yeah. You know, um, and for me, I never once thought of it as a, oh, he makes sense for us because we're dominant. It was beef. Where we're, nah, it was more like musically, aesthetically, he makes sense for what we got going on here. You yeah. Know? So, and Eminem like wanted him. Yeah. And then you put Wangsta on the 8 Mile soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Which was the way to set it all the way oh, off. The stars aligned like in a way that just you couldn't believe it. it so, like, what, what was it about that record that made you want to put it on on there as the sort of first offering of the new fifty? I think it was um, the initial reaction from everyone in general, and at the end of the day, that's an M call, and I think that was one where it's just like, let's put this in there. There's a and there was another record that M was working on with Obi that fifty uh, jumped on. As well, things called "Love Me." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, it, it, this was at the tail end of that. So, um, yeah, that's how that ended up panning out. When I tell you the stars align, bro, the stars align in a way that all you could do is just watch, just like, <laughs> you know, watch it all unfold. And it was quite, 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 um, quite an experience. Yeah. So let's go back to the very, very beginning. Where are you originally from? Uh, here, uh, New York, Manhattan, uptown. Harlem, Washington Heights. Born and raised in Harlem and, uh, you know, Washington Heights, which is a mile away from each other. What block did you grow up on? I grew up, uh, born and raised on 138, and then later on 163rd, I come from a divorced household. So okay. my mom's lived in Washington Heights on 163rd. My dad lived on 138. And, uh, yeah, so I used to, that was my stomping ground for a hot second. But I would go back and forth to a point where I had to get reminded that, Washington Heights and Harlem are not the same thing. Yeah. How did you get reminded of that? I got a big, uh, a big reality check from a friend of mine who lived on 135th, and it's like, dude, that's not the Heights. I'm like, but look, it's you know, blacks and Dominicans. It's just like, nah, bro, this is Harlem. Yeah. And literally from, I think that's when he said from 155th on, is one is Washington Heights. From 155th down, it's mostly Harlem. So, big family, small family. Uh, mid. Okay, <laughs> you know, um, I got two. I got two brothers, three sisters. Um, Where do you fall in line there? I am the youngest of the sisters. I am the oldest of the brothers. Wow. So, so yeah, does, yeah <laughs> does that mean that you uh, get away with a lot of stuff, or does that mean that you are held to a higher standard, or or does everything sort of change also because of the divorce dynamic? It's interesting because the two like. Like you can see now in hindsight why it didn't work out with my parents. Like my dad was, you know, the super of three buildings. It was all about work. Like I cannot get an allowance unless I helped out with, you know, garbage. Like I have a thing now where I walk by like Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays. That's garbage day. Mm. That's when you have to take all the garbage and put it in the front so the truck can come pick it up the, uh, the following day. Uh, my mom was a little more looser, you know, um, and I'd go uptown and just be back by 10 kind of thing and I can go past that. So um, it was pretty interesting dynamic. But my dad was a bit of not a rolling stone per se, but my sisters are from another, you know, relationship that he had. And uh, my mom went ahead and, you know, she moved on. And uh, so that's where the, the family's kind of mixed. What train did you take from uptown 
to, to less uptown. <laughs> I'm a one and nine guy. Yeah. And now so there's no more nine. Yeah, yeah, nine. yeah, 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 yeah. Heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm an A, I'm an A guy too, you know, uh-huh. but more of a one and nine guy. That's, it was routine, especially once you go from 125th, that whole, just that pocket just takes you outside and you're like, oh, <laughs> 116th. Yeah. I'm a one and nine. If I used to cut class on the one and nine. Really? Just to avoid truancy. Just, just stay <laughs> from there to South Street to 242nd. Wow. South Street, 242nd. Were you jumping the turnstiles? Uh, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Pass. Okay, I had, okay. I had, I had, I had a pass. You know <laughs> yeah. what? I'm over here like, uh. I was like, this isn't like that kind of podcast, but I'm also yeah, yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> straight snitching. Yeah. <laughs> My first uh, hop in the turnstile uh, was 96th Street. Wow. wow. I went to Big Apple Comics. And I went with a friend of mine. I got bagged. I was a kid. And just like, you know, that was, that was, that was. <laughs> the beginning of my hard life. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking turnstile criminal. Just trying to get to Big Apple Comics. <laughs> Dude, as a kid, yeah. you know, the only comic books you got back home, are, I mean, back around the neighborhood were the ones on the rack that you got at the smoke shop. Mm-hmm. Like, a place that hubs solely only comic books? Yeah. I'm out. Let's go. And I mean, like, I do want to say to people how big of a comics book fan you are. You, Sid, all you guys. You, especially, though, you went on a tour of the Game of Thrones like locations yeah so like you were like in <laughs> you know what i i didn't put two and two together until i got there i was like you know telling my wife i'm like hey um i think we're where so i started googling it and yeah we were at the freaking game of thrones you know the area where uh the not the lannisters where uh the red uh the red viper and his family are from it's really yeah awesome yeah so i'm, I'm open nerd yeah but it, it, does that come uh from a place where you wanted to escape you wanted to like go somewhere else with your imagination or where do comics sort of enter your life my uncle old vietnam vet that i think that was his therapy um, he came back with super PTSD and um, he would just pass along. You know, I walked into his room one time, which is like against all rules. Like my mom would be like, don't go in there. No entra ahí. And it's just like, I walk in, there's a Thor comic and then this and then he started putting me on. So he just passed it and it just had an effect on me. I think um, comic books and graphic novels in general are just good exercise for the creative mind. Um, you know, I know they looked at a certain way, at least not anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't think anymore. Not anymore. Like it's yeah. funny because like, like when it's finally society caught up with us yeah in a, in, a, in a sense but um well with you guys like i i'm not into comic books so, yeah yeah <laughs> i do want, i do want to draw a red line yeah. in the sand <laughs> i know like we're I cool bet. but don't don't include me in yeah, this yeah i'm looking at the book collection like mate you know what you're right it's like a moment yeah, he's right so yeah that it was escapism man and it helped you know drawing and just like i quite honestly that was way too advanced for me so i just looked at the pictures and just went from there and it was always like tattooed in me so to see the genre grow the way it has has been very rewarding very fulfilling were you drawing comics were you thinking of writing comics i tried were you creative as a as a young man i tried drawing i would trace about it you know big transform that the transformers are the easiest thing to draw it's like a box truck red (laughs) that's about it um, no um but i knew it's funny in hindsight you you realize like you're attracted to the creative Mm. you know especially the world of comic books is just it's you know it's its own Living up in Washington Heights, this is not like today's Washington Heights, where it's like no crime, where it's like, you know, more gentrification moving uptown. What was that experience like growing up on 163rd? It was the drug dealer capital of New York for about 20, maybe 30 years. Once crack hit, like in 85, um, that's when you just started seeing the change. Like, I grew up around 
when I see a, you, know, you grew up around crack vials. We didn't know that they were crack vials. We just see blue top, red tops, all scattered throughout the floor. So we'd bring them home because for a kid, your eyes are attracted to the color. So I would collect crack tops. And then, you know, you just start seeing the changes throughout the neighborhood. Um, the precincts were far apart. Um, and sometimes in the mid 90s when they got really crazy. Like where I was born, um, where I was uh, born and raised just became, what's the name they gave it? We called it Hick Island because once you came off the boat, once the Dominicans came off the boat, that was your training ground. And there were no rules. Once you walked by there, you were going to get not hustled, dude, like, like grabbed up, grabbed up the whole nine yards. Because if you don't look like or sound like they're thinking you're there for one thing and one thing only. Yeah. And um, it's funny. It's down the block from where Cardi's grandma lives. Wow. So, like she she endured that. I recently had a conversation with Cardi's aunt. And I was like, so how long have you lived here? And when she told me, I was like, ah. So you know, yeah, you know, um, and when Giuliani came into play, that's when things changed. Related, fuck Giuliani. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I forgot that part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Idiot. His FICO score went down. Wait, this guy was America's mayor, and he's like America's turd. It's, man. Yeah. it's insane. You're growing up there. You're, you know, living in this environment. Is there a thought to you to get out? Is there like an honest sort of like mission for you to not? stay there your whole life didn't think about it but i did know that i li- I'd like to leave and i've always encouraged folks like especially from folks on the block leave like yeah. you have to leave step out start with stepping out don't just leave you know outright just step out so i used you know these two um i was a horrible horrible hustler you know or drug dealer or trapper or whatever you want to call it i mean because, you had the red tops and you had the blue tops <laughs> well the thing is i was surrounded by it so everyone that's that's the only that's the only option you have when you grow up a certain way that's the allure they're yep. hanging in front of the building they're the ogs uh but i had a great mix of ogs where granted 90 percent of them were hustling but a majority of them were still like music hip-hop heads so i figured i, I made my niche at least a living of sorts providing services for the hustlers on the block so if you know one of them opened up a a uh a barbershop. I'm like, yo, you need flyers, dude. I can get you your flyers made. You know, um, you know, or dudes have pit bulls. I can go walk their dogs. Like, whatever I can. I just did not want to hustle. Yeah, you were hustling in a different way, which is the, yes. the modern day version of hustling, right? Like, where it's just like you just picked up whatever, like, job there was to do. Yes. And so did you have any friends who were on the same wavelength as you? No, unfortunately. Um, so it really was just you. It was just myself. It was just like, you know, you look at it again. Always in hindsight, you look around and just like... You're not the weirdo. You're just the one that has a particular vision. Yeah. Um, well, what inspired that? Growing up with my dad was different than growing up with my mom. Growing up with my dad, again, was a little more strict. Yeah. And, and again, in high, I see why he was so strict because I lived on 138 facing down a hill. Try playing football down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, up the block was the Alpo era. Mm-hmm. At its at its peak, yeah. So all you saw was cop sirens and everything, and just like once I hit a certain uh, certain part of the block, he throw this whistle that to this day psychologically just warps me out. Like my dad's like almost ninety, and if the dude hits me with the whistle, I freeze. Yeah, you know. And um, in hindsight, again, he knew not I couldn't go up there when I would go see my mom. It's a little different, except up there was more like a village. If you're on the block, that's the block. You're protected in a sense. Yeah. You know? So um, I just knew early on I had to just, what else is out there? And I got I to gotta give credit to, I'm trying to think early on when I decided to just start venturing off. I want to say a friend of mine came by wearing P&B 
gear and echo gear i was like yo where'd you get that it's like oh downtown in the ville and i just started doing my due diligence i'm like oh okay and they gave me a reason to start hitting the ville yeah you know because the ville at the time had the mixtapes it had this it had it was just a completely different environment from what i was accustomed to granted i would come home at the end of the day sure you know so but um, you would see something different and that's yes. like the big thing that you come home with it's mm-hmm. not like you've come home the same person yeah it's high school is so interesting because you can absolutely fall into whatever everyone else is doing too yes. you dress the same you act the same you go do the same activities and if you're seen as a loner, then you're seen certainly as an outsider. So to do something on your own, to have that type of like work ethic, to you know hand out the flyers, to walk the dog, to venture off on your own, to go get like you know some new gear or a mixtape, that's that's brave. It's appealing to me, especially because you're so. I guess internally, I was used to the same. It's Groundhog Day. The block is Groundhog Day. It's literally it's the same thing, same bodega, same. There's a dude right now to this day that when I go back to the block, there's a thousand percent guarantee that that man's going to be still sitting on that corner. I'm like, bro, what are you, security? Cam <laughs> was telling us just the other day that he knows people who never made it to Jersey. Oh, yeah. Which no. is wild. There's people that never made it past 125th. I'm on 163rd. I've got friends now that I follow on Instagram that I realize, you know, they'll just post up the moon. They'll post up, you know, uh, four blocks away down by Riverside. And I'm like, oh, shit, he's le- he left. He's leaving. The- this is what it's like for him to leave the block. Um, it's unfortunate, but just tr- something different always appealed to me. And it's something that resonates with me, even in my approach with life, art, music, just a little bit different. So was academics your way out? Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. So no. <laughs> nah, I mean, I went to Brandeis three years, ninth grade. I just never went. It's the problem. I got a lot of my practice seeing the world cutting class. It just really wasn't for me. And then, um, Were your parents aware? Nah, man. They were hardworking blue collar. Yeah. They'd really, you know, quite honestly, especially when you grew up a certain way, most parents, especially in the inner city, they look at school as dropping them off. See you later. You handle them. You know, um, it was no follow through on my homework or anything like that. You know, and for all I knew, I probably was pretty smart, you know, but I just never really full on engaged. It wasn't really my cup of tea. And then it was a super wake up call, man. It was just like once this school was just like, all right, enough. Cool. I'm like, what can I do? Because this this thing ain't working out. Um, Got it. I'm going to go be a garbage man. I'm like, cool. I've got enough training being the son of a super who... You know, it's so, you know, I, I clean buildings. Sundays, yeah. Tuesdays, yeah. Thursdays, yeah. I, I clean up buildings, like, from with my dad. But you know? a garbage man needs to have a high school diploma. That was a reality check. Yeah. When I went to apply, they were like, no, nah, you need a high school diploma. I was like, wow. Oh, you got to take a no. test, too? Yeah. Written test or, yeah. Yeah, because I thought, you know what? I like to collect things. I'm used to getting my hands dirty. So this is, I heard the benefits, which at the time, I didn't know what that was, were good. So I was like, you know, and got the reality check. And a really good friend of mine uh, made a suggestion to put me in an alternative school, which is kind of radical at the time, which was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Alternative, like, back school. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's just a different format, which kind of and looking at it now, it's like it was kind of genius. So basically, with the alternative school, they give you a chance to make up for all those years within like a two-year time span. You're going to complete these two years so that you can still become a garbage man? Yeah, I just wanted my diploma. Because if, if I can't be a garbage man, like if I can't be a garbage man, 
then there's a bunch of other stuff, other plan Bs, maybe working at the local hospital, which is like the safe bet for anybody around the neighborhood because I grew up next to Columbia Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to need a high school diploma. Um, the assignments that the teachers would give you were really different. So, for example, they would ask me, so what do you want to write about? And I did a thesis on Biggie versus Tupac. I did a thesis on Mamiya Jamal, and you have to dive into that. You have to come back with a report and present it to like five or six teachers, including the principal. Wow. And that's how you get your... So it was real world-ish uh, in terms of talking in front of people, really believing in this thing that, that, uh, that you're about. So they would come up with a theme and within... You have to find something within that theme to write a thesis about. And I don't remember what led to the Biggie, the, the Biggie uh, Tupac one. I was just fascinated with it at the time. But that, was it like who shot you? Like that's what yes, the time I was told. Yo, okay, hundred. The whole breakdown was on who shot you. I broke the whole song down. How he was talking to Pac. What led to this? It was an entire breakdown. It was like almost like a precursor to what I would eventually do for a living. It was yeah. genius.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like your like references were like Vibe magazine or like yes. oh for real. Yeah. Oh totally, my god. Totally. Which is funny, dude. Around that time period is when I met Bones Malone. In oh, fact, shout out to Bones Malone. God, man. Bless him. He is an angel, a saint, all the above, because I would not be doing what I'm doing here. If it a couple things about Bones Malone. Malone. Number one, uh, he was one of the first people to ever interview us wow. um, when we were doing sketches a dozen years ago yeah. when he was doing uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. And um, this is before Sirius. Oh, no, maybe it was XM. It was before the, yeah. the Sirius XM merger. And the other thing is that we saw him uh, a month ago because Lior had this thing for YouTube Music right. and brought a bunch of people out. And, Bones and everyone Malone. was just like, oh, my God, Bones Malone is here. Yeah. He's an enigma, man. Like, yeah. He's such a treasure that no one really knows about. He's uh, People he's... are more excited to see him than Fat Joe and, uh, <laughs> yes. and Chuck D. Like, he Bones is, Malone is, is a G. He's our Hunter S. Thompson. Well, yes. Like, at the time that I met him, I had met him under some different circumstances. Again, I was a horrible hustler. I mm -hmm. had the night shift and selling weed. So I had from 7 to five, seven to 3. Into yeah. the overnight. Yeah, 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 I had yeah. The, Into the overnight. And as you know, the freaks come out at night. Yeah. So um, Bones would hang up town with some of the graffiti OGs that lived in, uh, in front of my building. The, most of the TC5 guys. Shout out to TC5. And, you know, Bones would come by wire. Like, <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, I find him so intriguing. He would come, I shit you not, he would come with like a Fidel Castro type suit <laughs> and you wouldn't question it, like, because he was an enigma. Like, that's, yeah. he was friends with another mentor of mine, Juice from TC5, so he was untouchable. And Bones would come into the smoke shop where I was, you know, where I was uh, buying know, comic books. Yeah, buying yeah, comic yeah, books. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh, comic books. Yeah. And look, <laughs> Another reason why I was horrible. I'm like, if you hung out with me, I'm going to light you up. <laughs> I, it is one of the coldest winters in recent memory. I think this was like maybe 93, 94. And I'm just like, hang out, smoke. And I would, oh, I would end up owing, you know. Um, and Bones would just hang out and we'd smoke and we'd kick it. And then um, over time, going back to school, I started building, I guess, a portfolio. One of the teachers caught wind of my writing abilities because I was, dude, straight plagiarism. <laughs> she was like, what is this? I'm like, this life's a bitch. She's like, what is this? I'm like, and she saw the lyrics AZ's life's yeah, a bitch. Yeah. I, it's my favorite verse of all time. Fantastic. Apparently. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm writing it out and putting it in. We just got computers. So I want to see what it looks like. And she thought it was me. And I was just like, nah, it's, it's yeah. yeah. I didn't say no, it wasn't. Yeah. But, um, but it definitely led to an encouragement. 
into you should write more, you should write more, and that's when I realized, oh shit, I'm, I can know how yeah. to express myself. I didn't know. How, I'm not gonna. Well, say you knew how to express A Z self. Yes, right. Like, I'm Anthony Cruz for my um, and yeah, that kind of encouragement helped enormously because it caught me at a time, and this was maybe around six. I don't know. It was a desire to learn and know more. So I started reading books like The Celestine Prophecy mm. and Behold a Pale White Horse mm. and all these books that a lot of the Donald Goins novels, anything that was like hot in the hood. Yeah. Like, you know, I was reading all of them. And um, that's what led to me opening up my mind a little bit more. Um, and just work for me was, all right, uh, you go home, leave. And then come back because no matter what, what I left is still gonna be there. Yeah, at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, it's the same hood, same you know. three a.m. Whatever. Yeah. Where does writing take you then? Writing takes me to an internship at the Source magazine, courtesy of Bones Malone. Bones one time says because I told Bones I was trying to you know I was trying to uh, get in the music business. I didn't know what A and R was. I read an article in Vibe magazine about Puff, and that article A and R. And I read that's somebody who gets paid to find talent. At the time, I was so seasoned in Bobito, stretching Bobito 101 yeah. that it's like, all I want is new. That's why I bought mixtapes. We didn't have Funk Master Flex at the time. <laughs> mixtapes was your temperature. That, that was your you know, that was your, your, your newspaper on what's new and what's hot. So my, uh, my music acumen was just like, you know, it was at another level in comparison to the average hip hop head. Right. I just never translated that into, you know, I guess writing or what have you. And so um, you would listen to Stretch and Bobito yeah. for like you would hear like Big L, you would hear like Jay, you Every, would hear Yeah. Everyone. And I just Did you like, ever stop by? Where? Their studio. No. That never. was just another world. Uh, uh to me it's it felt like a whole nother world where I was just Even like, though it was like fairly close by. It's right up the block. Yeah. 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 Well, does, does that mean that, that the source was a whole nother world? Like when Bones tells unheard you that, of. are you like, I mean, I guess, but. Unthought of, unheard of. It's the source. It's the Bible. But at the time, Bones said, Bones was probably high at the time. Bones, you know what's up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I say this with the utmost. Bones was just like, come by tomorrow to Vibe Magazine. Because at the time, he was Vibe. He had just left the source. That was the big walkout. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, he was like, come by. I guess he forgot to tell me to come by. <laughs> so I come by and I'm at Vibe Magazine. He's like, come with me. So I go with him. We go into a dark room. The room is dark and sitting on the other in the desk is Kevin Powell. Wow. Kevin Powell had just came back from Rikers Island seeing Pac. Wow. For his story. And I'm just like, Bo's like, don't worry about him. He's not in. Don't worry about him. And I just heard the whole thing. I was like, holy shit everything Kevin like you know he was giving you the cheat notes it wasn't yeah. an article yet and I was just like I cannot believe I'm listening I'm hearing this no one's gonna believe me you're like I wrote a piece too about yeah. you know Big and Pac yeah <laughs> dude I'm like this is all happening in real time and I'm just like I cannot believe this is happening and um, Bones respected my grind I would hang out with him Ghetto Communicator a couple of the uh, the more established uh, byline guys uh, at the source I was a gopher dude like I was just hanging you need something done, go this, go that, go get this. You know, there's some things I had to get that, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I, I comic books? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> comic books, yes, yeah. Comic books. Um, but, you know, I was the young guy with the OGs and um, Bones just, when I finally graduated high school, I read him, I gave him my thesis on who shot. He was just blown the fuck away. He was like, yo, I need you to go see Jeremy Miller at the source tomorrow. I was like, 
um okay sorry i banged the tape <laughs> um and yeah i went um i went the following day i got introduced to jeremy miller who's another one who just you know straight believed in early on at the time i didn't realize jeremy miller was doing ads for the magazine but because of the walkout he was the only one that was left <laughs> yeah everyone had to take a bunch of different uh positions so he was the music editor um and i remember you know, again i, I walked the day i handed in my first article He's like, you need to listen to these guys, Capone and Noriega. I'm about to put them on unsigned hype. And I was like, sure. And he played. I was like, they sound kind of mob deepish. It's cool. <laughs> so it was my fan art expertise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I like that you had strong opinions, though. What, at that time? No, because yeah. I was so he That dude, Jeremy Miller, schooled me on the other side of hip-hop because we're so New York-centric. He's like, you ever listen to 3-6 Mafia? Put me on a 3-6 Mafia. Put me on to ESK and just like Spice One because he, he was born and raised down in the South. White yeah. dude. He just knew his, his hip-hop shit heavy. Um, and I didn't realize that when you hand in an article, you get an assignment, you got to wait a month. So I would come back every day like, you got anything else? Got anything else? Got anything else? He's like, nah, I'll call you if I need something. And this was around the tail end of my last year of high school. So to see my byline oh my God. in the Source magazine, last year of high school, oh, forget it. It was just like... To this day, I framed like my first like you know source check and why it was the show. It was a movie. The movie. Yeah, yeah the movie, yeah. the show. And um, Who started calling you Riggs? The Block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like big rigs. It was really, really just Rigo. It's Rigo, yeah. and Rigo is short for Rigoberto. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So Rigo, if you know me, you know from the block or rigs, just you know. So when then, it came time to your byline, you were like, "I'm gonna be Riggs Morales." I used to wild out with the bylines because I started noticing dudes that throw little nicknames in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the professor, yeah. such and such, and I'm like, you know what? Let me try Rigo. I even shouted my mother out in between my name as the, <laughs> as the as, as your the nickname. Alias. It's yeah. so weird. It was like, bendición means like, God bless you. Yeah. So I was like, Rigo, bendición, mami, morales. Yeah. And it was just like, just so she could see, because my mom, she's an immigrant. She yeah. has no idea yeah. what this means. Oh, you know? interning? Like, yeah. 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 No, I, At a, I didn't even go there yet. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't even interning. I got my first byline before interning. But when I asked Jeremy Miller, is there anything else I could do? Are there any internships available? He's like, well, we're about to get a new music editor. Let me introduce you to him. So that's when I meet Selwyn Hines. Oh, my God. And with Selwyn Hines, he had just started and um you could you you know i I guess again in hindsight he needed help with the littlest things i said hey is there a list i could get on he's like not really a list but come by monday and see what we could do you're so laser focused about getting into the music business right like i want to be like puff i want to be whatever an a and r is right but then you get invited into this whole new world and it's in the music business yes but it's it's different. Did your mind then switch and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to, my focus is now going to be on writing and, you know, reviewing and the environment of being, you know, within all of these amazing minds. My focus was where am I of value? Like, all right, if, as an intern, how can I help? When I wasn't helping sell, I would help some of the other department heads when like, hey, you need anything? And he said, because, you know, at the same time I wasn't making, I was, uh, wasn't working, I was still in school. Mm-hmm. So I would hope that they send me to the store. So I can maybe keep the change. Mm. So I could maybe get a slice. Yeah. Which is the time was like a buck fifty, buck ninety. So I had to map everything out. If not, I'd just be hungry for the rest of the day, you know, until I until I um until I got home. But it's almost like it happened by accident, but it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just like I've always said, especially with life and careers in general, it's like you start here. And then, you know, you kind of zigzag, zigzag, and, you know, eventually to get to where you want. I didn't A&R until f- 
five, six years into my intention. Yeah. You know, and I threw it out there. So who are some of the artists who actually like come by the magazine like that you'd like see in person? No one. No one. At the time, remember there was a big old walkout, which in hindsight, like somebody needs to do a source documentary for mm. real. That place was just a foundation. It, it should have it should be a Fortune five hundred company at this it should have been by this point. Right. But you know, that's a whole other story, but like artists didn't really come by. However, when you were assigned, when you were, uh, you were given access to parties. You yeah. Were given yeah. access. So that I definitely did. Man, I remember my first one. I walk in, I was like, oh shit, it's Jay with the Damager. <laughs> Which to me at the time, he was like, God. He yeah, was like, right. the next coming to KRS One. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I tap him on the side. He's talking to some chick. I was like, yeah, um, I just want to let you know how much props in your album. It's a great answer, classic. You know, like, what you're doing is amazing. Oh, my God. He looked at me like. <laughs> and I was like, tapped him again. Like, yeah, I'm not sure if you heard me. But I said, you know, and he gave me that look again. And I was like, fuck, bro. Like, damn. Wah, wah, wah. I just wasn't, you know, so. He was hearing it all the time. Yeah. And again, hindsight. I'm not the only one tugging at the yeah, guy, right. telling him how great he is at the time that, you know, again, he was at the peak. Yeah, he was popping. Dude, it was like, uh, uh, it was uh, the, first, the debut album. Yeah. So were you like a backpacker? Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> By the way, that's the part I didn't mention. When yeah. I would leave, I would leave with a backpack. Oh. <laughs> in the backpack was nothing but cassettes. Backpacks. Yeah. Backpacks, yeah. Inside, <laughs> backpack. backpacks inside a backpack. <laughs> Walkman and batteries. Like I need batteries was just the livelihood of my life revolved around batteries. So going back to the keeping the change, you hope that you found some batteries or you got enough to eat and ha- batteries and pizza. Yeah. Those are the two things I needed to just keep. Batteries going. and pizza would be a great mixtape. Yeah, right. Be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, that's like I would everywhere I would walk, I would listen to everything. I would, especially when it was the bootleg era. I couldn't afford to really pay the $10 for the big copy. I yeah. would just hear the Peacock and CL Smooth. I'd listen to everything, you know, so that helped enormously. What party were you at where you met or where you saw Jay Z? It was one of the many at the time that I attended, and this one, I don't know if it was Jay Z. I was just like, dude was in the pick. I was like, this is the other, on some get in where you fit in kind of thing. At that time, I remember I bought a disposable camera. Because I had aspirations of being a photographer. There you go. So I'm like, you know, I would go to the events, get the disposable, and that's how I got them. Where it's like, oh, do me a favor. Hold on. All right, cool. Thanks, man. I would just keep it moving. Then I go back to the bar. Like, huh? Oh, <laughs> like trading cards and shit. Um, but that was one of my first segues in. You know, I tried to get internships everywhere else. But that just me capturing in Rocksteady Reunion and just like some of these parties. The Jay-Z one is almost by accident like oh 100 percent accident. i saw your caption on instagram yeah. where <laughs> it's like, yeah it's like you, dude you're just like in my picture yeah <laughs> you know but at the time it, it goes to show you the grind and the hustle that was whole that was 96 man. yeah you were trying to take a picture of miss jones and then this, yes this dude walks in <laughs> and, it's, and ruins it and ruins it him and his like pelly pelly jacket come yeah. on dude get out the way meanwhile it's like you know that's a classic the jordan yeah jordan of fucking rap music <laughs> So is it just enough for you to be within those rooms at that point? Like, are you like... Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. to be here, but I can also go back, you know, home and brag to everybody about that. Yeah. it's some, uh, I was never a bragger, mm. which is like one of my Achilles heels in this day and age. I just don't really, you know, I've, bragging's backfired on me a thousand times, so I just don't do it, you know. And going back to the block, you know, it definitely bought me a bit of cachet with certain folks like shit i had that reasonable doubt album early mm. like hissy tape and all and that was you know 
Sorry, guys, but you know the hustlers <laughs> needed that copy, man. Yeah, and it was yeah. Just like you know, um, you know, and anytime I had the advanced copy of something, if I can make a dub and make a dub, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I would do it. Yeah, you know. And what kind of assignments were you getting at work? The pivotal one, the first one actually, was when Selwyn was like, you see that refrigerator box right there? It's like, yeah, that's all the unsigned hypes that accumulated that haven't been listened to since the walkout. By then, Maddie C. had left. Yeah. And all every kid from out the country with aspirations of being a rapper would send their demo and it would accumulate into, you guys know, a refrigerator box. Yeah. It's pretty fucking big. Yeah. So how do you even approach that? Like, are you, you're not just like grabbing from the top. Like what, is it just like the colors? Like what, what makes you pick a thing? Man, the red tops or the blue put, tops? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I put up, I, I did my 10,000 hours from all that backpack and listening to everything. So this is light work for me. So I'm just like, up. Oh, so you actually one, listened? Oh, every single one. Yeah, yeah. From beginning to end, top to bottom. They were even like, they were like, yo, what the, David Banner was in that box. Yeah. I listened to every single, I was hungry and I was just like, What you was know? the percentage of like good to serviceable to like unlistenable i want to say uh because great is like maybe like one every a thousand my, my job was to hone in on potential Shit yeah that just sounds like i would listen to it on stretch and bob you know but like of quality because otherwise most of the, i want to say if there's a thousand at least maybe 20 potential yeah. You know, and then from there, once I clean that up, you know, again, it was a case of just asking folks, is there anything that they could use? Uh, uh, T. Eric Monroe would send me over. I didn't know who this guy was, but he'd send me to this guy who knew the Beastie Boys, which is Ricky Powell. So yeah. I would go to his house and just like, you know, send stuff, bring stuff. I was a gopher. I was, that's what I was. That's what I, I was. I mean, uh, did like meeting Ricky Powell mean something to you in that time? I didn't know in time, but had I known, I'm like, shit, bro. Like, yeah. I would have like, you, know. you were just trying to take a picture of Miss Jones. <laughs> you know? Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, so. So um, you listen to David Banner. Who else comes across your desk? Uh, throughout the five years that I was there, uh, Joel Santana, Cardinal Official, The Last Emperor, uh, trying to think, Claire. I, I was early on the Canadians, man. The Canadians <laughs> put in work. So before, that's why like the Drake weekend thing is so well deserved because I know how much that country, you would swear because it's so close, you forget that it's a country. They put in work in terms of trying to get on. And so Drake is a reflection of that and the momentum that they have just as a dominant music uh, uh, place so well deserved so them and you know most notably I think it was Eminem sure oh, right okay so. yeah sure well, okay so beyond beyond <laughs> beyond Eminem <laughs> and Cardinal and uh, Jewels and David Banner who's like the one that you were so sure of you're like yo this one like this is next up but didn't become oh there was more of those it was more of those than there were like successful like were you believed and like tried to put other people on and oh yeah dude yeah I mean Remember, I had 12 slots to fill a year. Yeah. Like, the batting average I just gave you was, like, about a five-year <laughs> course, you know? So, like, yeah, there was a lot of good ones and some that just really weren't built for it, um, just didn't capitalize off the momentum or just a, a variety of reasons. Would you, you know? ever reach out to them and be like, hey, like, are you sure you're ready for this? Like, you know, or, or trying – it was nah. just you, you listened to it, you wrote it up, and that was it. That was it. All off gut. So for somebody like Jewels, like a, mm -hmm. a young kid – from uptown, yeah. Um, and and you write him up. Do you then let him know that you're going to write him up? We never met to this day. To never this day. No, because he came through a rep. You know, it's like yo, take a listen. Says like, wow, this is kind of dope. And it was him and another fella. Um, but to this day, I've never met Jules. By wow. the way, 
He's he's right over he's, there. Yeah, yeah, no, he's no. right over there. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> the fact that you actually look. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah really dude. Because I'm like, it's it's you guys. I'm just yeah. like, you know, you guys are like honorary yeah. dip sets. So yeah, I'm just yeah. Like, Let me make sure. And it's Joel's too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you just yeah, never yeah. Know, so. so okay, so you write these things up. Um, do you understand the impact that you're having on these young guys' lives? No. So and, you're no. just writing it up. You're a fan in that moment. From Lyric of the Month, because at the time I started working my way up towards responsibility. So I had Unsigned Hype, but then I had Lyric of the Month. Mm. So I had to listen to demos, but then I had to listen to every album released throughout that year, that, that month, to find the verse of the month. Um, then I had to do the fat tape section, which is grabbing the album cuts and seeing you know, what the bangers are. That was like my Stretch and Bob, uh, you know schooling you know because it's just like stretch and bob were always great for playing those album cuts that the label wasn't really trying to go super heavy on so did you still feel like a music man in that in that sense where you're like okay i can pick out who really you know could be the next one up and maybe this will play into my career later on that was my portfolio i didn't know that i didn't know that like if i can get the sunshine hype thing at least earn the trust to to run this column then it's a great portfolio for what i want to do down the line because um, Maddie C went to Loud, right? Yes, Maddie. Another one that I looked at as a standard, like you know, Maddie. Maddie not only created the column, had this all-star of legends that he'd already highlighted, but then he goes on to Loud and he just you know knocks it out the park. I'm buying the records that he's putting together. Did you write um, any profiles uh, that really stuck out to you? Uh, Rock him. I did the first Mace cover. Wow. Um, I would always get the, the give them to Riggs, the underground guy. <laughs> Who's his health to scale to give them to Riggs? Yeah, but you, you know? also got Mace, who is definitely not underground. I, I, I had to work my way towards that. Yeah. It, was, it was suggested by after putting in work, doing the Q and A's, I got you know thrown into the big leagues. Like, all right, this is your first feature story. Um, and yeah, and I was there, man. I was in charge, not in charge, but I would transcribe the major feature stories. So when Biggie and Pac both passed away it was my job to you know whatever interviews that the head the the, the, the writer would you know yeah, take pull. on yeah i'd have to sit there and just like through that through that repetition weirdly enough and I, I share this with folks when they come to my office i say to them listen i don't think i'm not listening i'm actually listening i'm just gonna do some work while you play i'm listening to every single word i have the ability to <laughs> listen to every single word as i'm doing something at the same time yeah, at the same time <laughs> yeah so i have to tell them that because you know i developed that repetition from listening to lyrics of the month and listening to demos and it's just like i had to transcribe oh my god which is fucking brutal yeah. guys. you guys know like yeah transcribing is like wait what do you say again bring it back <laughs> bring it back bring it back bring it's uh you know fuji's cover stories when big that when when Pac died that was all point like all hands on deck when biggie died that was all hands on deck so um yeah greatest job ever guys i'm gonna keep it funky like julie my boss hates yeah. when i say that but um <laughs> the source man at that time period like you well know. what's your favorite source awards story Ooh, hmm might have been the first one that i went to the first one that i went to some genius decided to go to the bathroom <laughs> and Shug decided to call folks out. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. And I'm paying attention to Onyx, who for some reason can't get in or whatever. And they're, they're causing up a storm. And then I come back from the bathroom and it's like all this weird tension. I'm like, what just happened? This is like the most glorious time ever. And I had just missed Suge with the, you know. Come to death row? Come to death row. Is that the theater at Madison Square Garden? Yeah. 
yeah. crazy. Surreal. Pretty surreal. That's, again, like, that place was, you know, the source was So just... you, you got a credential and you're, like, able to move wherever because yeah. you're a source? So do you recognize, like, all the power in the room? No. Only the artists. Remember, I wasn't really the business side of it, who the big players were. I only knew whoever I saw in magazines or, you know. But you recognize about. Snoop? Oh, yeah. Recognize Outkast? Yeah. Recognize? Vaguely. Yeah. I was definitely one of the second guessers of Outkast. You Outcast. saw Puff? Saw Puff. Had you met Puff at that time? No. Met no one. No one. I met absolutely no one. I wasn't really, you know, I kind of knew my place. So I was just like, you know, happy to be here. I am a source guy. And the thing is that the source at the time held so much weight. All I had to do was just give my card and I could get in anywhere because it's like, oh, the source. Okay, cool. People would definitely treat you a little differently because, you know, that were those mics, dude. Yeah. Like. So I'm not mad at, at being humble mm-hmm. and about, like, playing your position, but how do you advance at a place that you stay at for five years and still maintain humility? Because I increased my value internally with the people that matter didn't really focus on going out to the the parties or anything like that. I mean, I would, you know, I got the invites to everything, but then I always stayed, I used to have to go back to the block and you get reminded on the block, like, don't forget where you're from. Like, don't forget. And I had a friend of mine, rest in peace headquarters, who uh, was a really close friend of of, of Premier's. I used to go to school a block away from him. The alternative school was on 183rd in the Bronx and he was used to come around promoting group home. And he was very militant in his approach. Street dude, but very militant. He hit you with, don't fucking forget where you came from. Don't be out with them fake fucking devils. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, um, I would soak that in. I just, I always got reminded that, you know, almost like, don't forget where you came from. Is it more meaningful now, knowing where you came from, knowing where you went to school on 183rd, mm-hmm. when someone like Cardi makes it or someone like A Boogie makes it? Very much so, especially because Cardi reminds me of, like, cousins that I have. Like, Cardi, when I, before she even became an artist, I would look on TV like, yo, this reminds me of my cousin Marissa. Like, they talk the exact same way. Where it's like, instead of take a picture, it's like, yo, throw the picture. <laughs> you know, it's like, yo, that's, she's, you know, she's of that ilk. Um, so, yeah, and it's, 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 it's fun. It's like, even like recently, about a couple of years ago, nobody, nobody noticed this. This is such an uptown thing. But for about one year, the Bronx finally dominated hip hop with between, uh, let me see, you had Bodak all the way up, uh, Drowning from A Boogie. Mm-hmm. French had the record with Sway Lee. Like, yeah. That was a whole year of just nothing but Bronx bred hits. I don't think we've ever had that. We know that it's a birthplace. <laughs> yeah. We know that they have stock, right. but it was always a fight between Queens and Brooklyn, let's be real, you know, and Manhattan's maybe third, you mm-hmm. know, so. But you're a Harlem guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, it's, it's an, you know what it is? It's an uptown thing. Yeah. And then going to the Bronx all those years is just like, you kind of, you know, kind of get a small badge where it's just like, you know, you appreciate it. So. But we hosted some event like a bunch of years ago at Gramercy, right? Mm-hmm. And Funk Flex was like sitting like second row or something like that because he was being awarded something. And so Jeff and I are just like killing some time and doing bits on stage, right? Packed house. And we were just like, let's just roast Flex, right? And we're like, yo, Flex. <laughs> we're like, yo, you shout out every borough. You shout out New Jersey. You shout out Connecticut. You live in Westchester. You never shout us out. Never. <laughs> never. Never, ever, ever. Hilarious. Annoyed us to the nth. Anyway, so <laughs> so you go on to meet Paul Rosenberg. Yeah. I met Paul when Eminem was my unsigned hype. I met them both at the same time. Paul, uh, talk about a refrigerator-sized box. He's, <laughs> yes. he's the size. I thought it was his security. Of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, why do you have security? You're unsigned. You know? Well, I mean, what, what'd you make of them? 
M came in. Um, look, at the time, remember, as a white rapper, he's already an anomaly. So he comes in, kind of chubby, little Kurt Cobain plaid, you know, one, you know, the things that play, is it, yeah, like one of them plaid shirts, whatever, however they dressed in Detroit at the time. <laughs> I didn't realize in hindsight that was like his eight mile time period. Yeah. So he was always appreciative. Like, you know, he's a student. Sure. So to be put on unsigned hype was just like, yeah. It meant the world. It yeah. meant the world. He comes by, him and Paul, I meet them both. They're tied at the, you know, tied at the hip. Super cool, and that was the beginning of our relationship because throughout the years, remember, he got signed maybe two years later. And at the time, I would stay in touch with Paul where Paul's like, hey, man, Duck Down's interested. What do you think? It's like, uh, I love Duck Down. <laughs> and we got this Dr. Dre thing. I'm like, Dr. Dre, bro? Yeah. He's not hot right now, but it's Dr. Dre. Um, couldn't needless to say again. It goes my foresight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and but, listen to you as the, as that backpacker. You're like, oh, oh Ducktown. Hell yeah. Yes. I was a Drew Han. Yeah. I had my own clique. We would call it the food stamp clique. Like that was our little like, you know, bunch of hip hop heads with our backpack. We would live and die by everything that, that boot camp click did. So I'm oh, definitely man. cut of that ill. Yeah. They that's so at that time, you know, like that's how I ended up meeting uh Paul and M and once uh, by the time they popped off, I was burnt out. At the magazine. At the magazine, because I was, I've written about everything. I've pretty much maxed it out. So going back to your question about growth, I went as far as I could. I don't know that I had interest in being the editor-in-chief or anything like that. It's time to go off and do the A&R thing. So um, I looked around. And, um, Is that scary? Because um, you know one thing and you're... You know, that's been your life. I didn't make the decision to just leave. I knew that I was burnt out and an opportunity presented itself um, with volume.com. Shout out to Smokey Fontaine. This is doing the dot-com boom. And, you know, Smokey, along like a bunch of us magazine folk just went to the dot-com like there was uh, yeah, that, that was supposed Simmons. to be like the, that was supposed to be the big one yeah we all left because the checks were nice and <laughs> yeah. all we had to do was just get a little tutelage on how to do this emailing thing and you know you can afford a few slices I started in January of 01 uh, the site was down by <laughs> May <laughs> June May or June yeah. And I had just broken my legs. It was the worst shit. It was just like... How'd you break your leg? Or did somebody I'll break them for you? I'll share this with y'all because it's y'all. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, I'll share this with y'all because, like, you know, I'm comfortable enough to share this with y'all. Paul will always remind me of uh, this. So, you know those, the Razor scooters? Yeah. <laughs> so, I was one of the it's first great, to buy one. It's a great start know, to yeah. the story. <laughs> no, so, I was the first one. I bought mine in Switzerland, I think it was. And my shit was like... Like, I was Tony Hawk on that shit. I was so good. I was the you only do one. You the, the, the spins? To this day. To this day, I would go to South by. You broke you your legs. <laughs> well, I tell you how I broke my foot by, <laughs> I was, you know, and being ambitious with the freestyling. Sure. So I was going down a hill, which at the time I was so good. I, I, I still have mine, which I push with my son. And I drive, I, I use it with one hand. Ooh, so oh, it's like hard it's yeah. Like, yeah it's like the lamest shit but it's so much fun is this how you met your wife i'm just like <laughs> no <laughs> but she was around during that time period so um i love I, a comic book head being like this is the lamest shit <laughs> oh no i i, I embrace my yeah, yeah so i went from one i, I jumped the sewer top i was like oof good then yeah. i saw another one coming out no not a sewer top you know those iron i don't know what they call them whenever they fix in the street yes, yes. those big iron whatever yeah. you call yep. them yeah, yeah 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 i was like i can make it yeah let me jump I this one inch this. <laughs> yes <laughs> i can make it and it was it was massive yeah mm -hmm. i made it 
I jumped it and then oh, I lost control. Oh. Wow. So when I lost control, I have a rule, jump off. Because I'd rather jump off and get hurt, you know, rolling than having some piece of fucking scooter stuck in my, my neck. You yeah. know, so I jumped off and when I landed, oh. the foot just said clack. Oh. And there's some karma that comes with that because <laughs> I spent that summer riding around like the coolest shit on the block and all the kids wanted to ride. And I would give some of them a ride, but once you give one of them a ride, everybody's in line. I'm just like, all right, take it easy, take it easy. Oh, you gave everybody a ride on your one-person scooter? No, no, like, yeah, go, go with it. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, fat. it's it's never been seen. The Razor, dude, a week after I broke my foot and I'm hanging out on the block on a cast, this shit went mass. <laughs> so every kid and their mother's just like riding past me, like, look, I got my own. I'm like, all right. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun, kid. So, so you were on yeah, crutches? I was on crutches. Damn. At that time, Shady Records had, you know, developed into it was a no Goliath artist management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when Paul had had Cypress Hill, Exhibit, and Eminem. And benefits. Oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> did they have um <laughs> do they have handicapable um entrance for you and your broken feet when wait, was it always the same office um, in Chinatown? No, that was after Fifth. Okay, gotcha. Before Fifth, it was on top of Supreme. Because the first really? time that we were yeah, invited down, on Lafayette. Yeah. The yeah. first time that we were invited down to the Chinatown offices, um, and this, this is shop. this is this is flash forwarding a little bit. Yeah, uh, there's like five floors listed, and then you guys are on the sixth floor. It was like something yes. like it was like not there clearly, yeah. like yeah. not advertised. Whole, yeah, and we told also you. you had yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, we didn't just show up. Yeah, yeah, no. We were, Paul, we were sent Paul by, said, Paul right. said, just waited out, and yeah. then there we was like sent by Ja. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was one door that you had to get through, and then another, the Hannibal Lecter door. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Bulletproof. They bulletproofed like, it up, and a big dude there after fifth. So yeah. that was bulletproof, and then the wall within that, all that was bulletproof, just to be safe. <laughs> by the way, what Paul doesn't know is uh, right before we met with him, he was strapped. We met with Irv. <laughs> yeah, we were strapped. Yeah. <laughs> We met with Irv. Yeah, we did meet with Irv at some point. Yeah. 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 See? Yeah. Also, yeah, different circumstances. But okay. So uh, you get the job at Goliath. And mm-hmm. what does that entail? So I had to find what my niche is because I'm good friends with Cypress Hill, so I can help out there. I'm cool with them and them, but that's already a well oiled machine. And Exhibit is his own entity. So I was like, um, you need a production arm. All my friends were producers, the Beat Nuts, Domingo, uh, Alchemist, you know, right. at the time was up and coming, um, Mugs. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start the producer division because I've always had a sauce. Oh, Alchemist worked with the guys who sounded like a Pony Noriega, right? Yeah. No, he, uh, he was Muggs's guy. So it's like he was Muggs's underling, you know, like I met Alchemist on the road. You ever seen that movie Almost Famous? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I had an Almost Famous thing with Cypress Hill. Like, I was assigned a week on Smoking Grooves to follow Cypress Hill, and this kid, like, I make beats, was, like, putting all the shit together, blowing the balloons up, and, I, and it was Alchemist. So wow. we always kept in touch. And uh, I started repping him and a slew of Dame Grease. And Man. that was fun. That gave me, that was my first, again, five years later, that was my first introduction to the business side of it. Wait, I, what, what year were you working with Dame Grease? So I want to say, oh two at this time man yeah like this was like right after you know swizz yeah and him and swizz were neck and neck yeah and yeah yeah was, yeah you know um so yeah i started that and then i kind of had an a and r hat at the time but um shady wasn't really fully established like that it was just like they were signing homies from detroit it was just ob d12 
you know, and then I did have a conversation with Paul Rosenberg at one time. I was like, hey, so are we only going to sign stuff from Detroit? I just need to be clear. He's <laughs> like, nah, I want to compete with Def Jam. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And lo and behold, a couple months later is when the 50 thing uh, took us to a whole nother level. So your first job as an A&R was working on the soundtrack? Eight Mile. Mm-hmm. Were you on set at the movie? Did you visit the movie? One or two times. Yeah. Okay. What, what was that like? Um, as morbid as the movie, uh, as, as dreary and, and rainy and as dark, dark yeah. as the movie like in the shows. Yeah. But that was the, the horse blinders thing I was telling you about. Like he was so devoted and that was the zone he was in and you know. Yeah. Knows, like he would know. leave his trailer, go film. Well, and did you understand what he was record. like recording in the, in the trailer? So you just got the record in the end and were like, oh shit. Yeah. No, it's one of those things where like for my core assignment was, um, I had to round up um, a bunch of the records that kind of inspired that time period. So Showbiz and AG, uh, you know, uh, Last Days, um, you know, a lot of the records that he went ahead and like freestyled over um, uh, in, in the uh, in the movie. Right. And, you know, that was that was again, it's a well-oiled machine uh, at that time. And um, that was my first credit. No, my first credit was on a payday compilation with premiere and uh the folks at payday and but that was like while i was at the source consulting blah 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 and um yeah that was the start of shady as as a uh an entity yeah as an entity as opposed to just being what they would call a vanity label yeah you know like a legitimate label so you're working with the biggest artist in the world um who i don't see as that by the way so going back to the humility thing like i didn't meet you like that so i don't know you like that Wow. You know, so it's like I get a reminder. I would get reminders that this guy's the biggest thing in the planet, but because I don't know him as that, it's different. Would you? Was there anything that ever, like, shattered that illusion? No, not at all, because he was just... You not, know, not, not, not even on his end, but I mean, like, just... If you go you to the were, MTV VMAs or something like that. If you guys are walking down the street, you yeah, guys aren't yeah, walking down the street. If you go to Times Square yeah, 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 yeah. for, for um, TRL. One time we were... Whenever you're at that level and you have to be escorted into a building, it's like a Fallon or whatever, like you time it, you, you time it out. You say like, all right, guys, ready to go? All right, cool, ready to go. Between the car and the entrance is maybe, maybe five to seven seconds. You know, one time he stepped out, nobody, nobody knew he was there. One person saw him and they fucking like fainted. Like, they were just like, oh, my God. And then we ran off. And I had to look back, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, the dude was of that, you know. Man. Yeah. Lose yourself. Mm-hmm. When you when you hear it for the first time, are you like, oh, that's out of here? It was dope. I didn't I didn't look at it as out of here. Yeah. Remember, like, at commercial viability is not something that I was really got to get really too acquainted with while I was at the source. To me, it was dope was dope. Yeah. Um, a hit is a hit. Um, but that wreck, when I heard him, like, you know, oh, I'm just so, I'm just like, oh my, cause I'm such a fan of his lyrics. I'm just like, oh my God, he sounds possessed. The fact that that was able to turn into a mainstream moment was like, wow. Okay. There's records on there. Places to go is fire. Yes. Yeah. Um, eight mile, eight miles and running. Like yep. they're all great records on there. You know what record was supposed to be on there? Major look. Yeah. Instead we got the other Nas record. Wow. They were given the choice. You, ah. Uh, per, per, you know, like that, that was, that was the choice that they were given per Paul Rosenberg. Like, you know, Paul was loving Major Luck. 
but you know the decision <laughs> was you know ultimately on m wow so yeah then you have uh get rich die trying mm-hmm. how much of that record was brought to you guys and done it was fifth m and dre like we basically everybody was just waiting like to see what the end result was going to be because between between Eight Mile and uh, and Get Rich or Die Trying. Eight Mile attracted a bunch of battle rappers, and you know I t- took advantage of that. I created the Monday Night Fight Club. Mm. That was the one that that was like another outlet, you know, in between albums for me to just like, you know, because battle rappers they do have a stigma where they're you know, they can't really make records, but they're gonna entertain you for a good minute. Yeah. So um, <laughs> took that concept, which is based around you know pit bull cockfighting around the neighborhood, which is obviously illegal. Sure. Um, but the idea was all right because everybody around that time period used to have someone like he ain't nicer than my man. <laughs> oh, he ain't that good. So it's like oh, if he's that good, put money on it. But how do you do that without, you know, like it's 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 trap money. It's like, you know, these are hustlers and this is their breed. And, this, you know, how do you. So I got three judges and I just went into the roller deck. So I was like, all right, first one's going to be uh, Lord Finesse, uh, Dame Grease and Minya. Wow. So wow. it was just like every week I would have new because I needed to be partial. We can't be looking biased. So. You, the bet was based on you know how much you feel like a hundred and three hundred and four and you know that was oof, that was awesome, that was a moment that was right after right around the smack time period. Where were you doing it? Uh, at this little studio called now called Flight Club Studio, Fight Club Studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, We've um, been there. You can't say just, Flight Club around Minya. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, right. <laughs> and with Fight, Fight Club was just like this little little studio that you know it started because these two girls just weren't getting along that worked at the studio <laughs> and it was they both rapped I'm like yo make them battle yeah <laughs> so it was a pool table and i was just like you know so we started putting money down it's like i got money you know but it got weird because again who's gonna ju- oh i was forced to judge i was the executive <laughs> and um you know there was no harm no foul but i just took that and just like all right we got to do this weekly so you didn't know about it unless you were invited you know, and um, I used to have M security, just like <laughs> Paul Rosenberg. <off>. No, <laughs> no, no. By the way, when you first met M, he had darker hair. When you first yes. met Paul, did he have hair? <laughs> yes, he did. He what, did. What was it like? He did. Um, I want to say like, like, like almost not, like a Costanza, <laughs> like an Alex Caruso. Okay, almost. Okay, almost. Paul's gonna kill me. Because, yeah, yeah. It's uh, he, he had, he had, yeah, he had hair. <laughs> so okay, so working in the music industry made Paul lose his hair. Understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But lose your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. As as an A and R for Shady Records mm-hmm. and Goliath Management, it's a higher profile gig. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that more artists come your way and try to give you demos and try to knock down your door and try oh, to yeah. get signed? Absolutely. Um, Did you miss out on anybody that you wish you signed? There was a oh man. Um, so let's see. There's ones that I we had an opportunity to, and then there's ones that I would go after. Like you know, I'll tell you straight up, I wanted Jewel so bad. Yeah. Once I saw there was some sort of friction with Dips, I was like, dude, we need him here. We will turn him into you know. Um, there wasn't no consistency in the uh, correspondence yeah. there, so uh, we had to let Sounds that go. Sounds about right. Yeah, that, yeah. that continues to um, this day. Sure. Well, crazy enough, he's right back there. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> guy. Um, fucking uh, Pitbull. Pitbull came by. Wow. He played me his demo, and I told him, I was like, this is cool, 
but the more energetic stuff that you're working on, because that's the little John had done just two demos out of the six or seven that he played me. And the more energetics, it just, it was so obvious. It wasn't the four on the floor stuff, but it yeah. was just like more the, the sense and like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so he's one, no regret there. He went off to do it. He just didn't fit. I have to keep in mind that it has to fit in brand. Yeah. yeah. Plus the boss man has to like it. Yeah. yeah. So um, over the years, I tried badly to sign Dead Prez. Wow. Um, that fits in. That. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Um, I would have. Uh, well, I mean, aside from that. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I have gotten a preview of what the next album is going to sound like, and about three of the cuts were produced by Kanye. Wow. And it was like, Kanye, those records to this day. But Dead never... Prez wouldn't have been open to Shining to Shady. Yeah. They would have been? No, we talked. No, but when I say I wanted to, it's because I engaged. Wow. Um, towards the later years before I left, um, J. Cole came across our yep. desk. Um, yep. Uh, Kendrick. From what I understand, although that's more of a Paul story. Mm -hmm. In fact, I believe Paul was the one that suggested uh, Kendrick to Dr. Dre when Dr. Dre was looking for someone to write, you know, for for his detox album. Um, Stephen Victor tell you I tried very hard uh, to get the clips and I did want to split them up, you know, just like, you know, see what we could do with that. Um, Bring him to Fight Club. Yeah, <laughs> was that was that in that period of time where like uh, the jive situation was? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Once I get Coming wind apart. that there's some like one of my favorite yeah, artists water. is there some yeah hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. I was like, so what's going on over there? Um, who else? K. Cuddy. I remember because wow. emails, you know, a good friend of mine. I yeah. would always go to see email, and we just listen to breaks and just listen to grooves. And this Cuddy kid that worked at the Babe store was happened to be there. And he's just like, you know, I'm like, so you rap? He's like, yeah. It's like, cool. You make music? Yeah, cool. Hey, playing my shit. And then he had to go to work because he was, you know, he was late for work. And he played me day and night. I was like, oh, shit, this is fucking awesome. So we try to make something work. But, yo, as soon as Kanye put his arm around the dude, it was over. <laughs> a rap. Yeah. So rap. And it made sense. That I really thought that he was the one that I thought we could have evolved. Because while I was up at Shady, I was looking for ways as an A&R. How are we going to evolve with the changing of the times? Sure. Like, we're smack dab in the middle of this Kanye era. And the Kanye era, I feel, was a great era to really have fun with this. Like, if you're rocking over Bjorn fucking tracks and just yeah. like, you know. Um, oh, Peter Paul and Bjorn. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like, if, if, if you're having fun like that, like, we should be able to get in there. And I, I honestly think, and it sounds crazy right now, but that dude kind of saved rap music. Because at the time, you know, especially kind of fault of ours, but like everything was just so battle. I'm a get you. Like it was beyond. It was beyond raps now. Now it's just like protection vests and all that yeah. other shit. And um, where were you when Fifty and Kanye went at each other on Silly Shady? You're yeah, Silly Shady. Shady. Were yeah. you there for the Rolling Stones shoot? No. Oh. But I saw it, this one of those things where I was like. This isn't gonna end well. <laughs> if you read the temperature, yeah. Kanye represents. Oh no, we knew that. Like, I mean, you know, I, I think that from the outside, like, you could just see that the more that Fifty tried to like rally his his troops to be like, hey, like, you know, this is gonna be my last album if this guy outsells me. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, if you have to do that, like, I think we're all on board with this guy. It's a five year thing, man. It's yeah. every five years. Like, right now, we're at the threshold of like whatever just happened the last five years. So yeah. No disrespect to anyone, but like, if you're kicking, if you're doing the same shit that's been going on for like the last five, like, these kids, it's. Oh my God, moves. our podcast is almost five years old. <laughs> no, <laughs> different. Yeah. Just from a music standpoint, you know? Um, And I remember the temperature like yesterday. I used to get killed because I was such a Kanye fan. The guy brought back fucking drum breaks yeah. and samples. Yeah. It's just like that shit that really made you love hip hop. You were a part of the Curtis album. Mm-hmm. 
Were you a part of naming it, Curtis? No, that was all him. Because that's brilliant. Totally. Like the phone call between, you know, uh, 50 Cam and Alan Grunblatt and that Cam used Curtis as a, you know, a sort of yeah, put down. Like a, a mm-hmm. dig. And that he took that and owned it and made his album title was brilliant. 100%. I mean, 50, no one will say he's not brilliant. Yes. 50 to this day, this just feels like he's the smartest guy in the room. His angles and perspective. You know how, like, we thrive to find these blind spots? You know, he sees every single angle. Um, And to be quite honest and transparent, like, that dude, he was self-sufficient at that point. Mm -hmm. So, like, with Curtis, it's like, that's all him. He was his own ecosystem. Would you think when he gave, like, half of his, what was to be the massacre to game? Oh, my God. When It's crazy because, you know, there's the sophomore jinx, you know? And while I really really enjoyed Massacre, I felt like could have shaved a couple of songs off. Mm -hmm. But then when you compare it to the game, it's just like, fuck, dude, you mean to tell me, like, all this peak later-end Dre you gave it to this dude and look well, also the cool and dre stuff like yeah. did you did did those beats come to you no that was actually shah shah oh, wow. had that beat wow like, that was a shah special man yeah so um yeah that, that, that man when i listened to the document is it the documentary uh-huh. yeah the yeah, first, yeah the first one, like, yeah. wow you God. still have beef <laughs> i know yeah. like, no, right? like, you still feel a sort of way yeah <laughs> When I listen to that album, I'm just like, wow. But that also is a an example of the powers that Fifth had as a songwriter. We're yep. just like, here, you can have that. Crazy. It's like, How'd you know it was time to leave Shady and look for something else? Um, the temperature. Mind you, I did a very quick and quiet, was it 12 years up there? Yeah. You know, like credit to Paul. Like, it's pretty significant. Know, Paul, like that's the one thing. Everybody at that company is pretty much a day one And, um, you know... It, we got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm either going to continue to do this or I've got to figure out how am I going to evolve into a better music executive? You know, this is during a very self-aware period. I have to grow. I yeah. shouldn't be sneaking around fax machines, reading deals to learn. You know, I really had to get out there. And I realized that the ecosystem that is shady is completely different uh, from the way, you know, everybody else works. How know? old were you when you left? That's a good question. I'm finally. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> man, I'm trying to remember. I want to say maybe it was was it six years ago. I'm, I'm definitely in my thirties. I want to say mid to late thirties. So you were at like a transitional point, like because like your thirties, it's just like 100%. your twenties. You're just like you're riding along. Yes. Your thirties, it's like okay, I've really got to like figure shit out. Big time. And so you went to Atlantic. But were there any other options? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you had a lot of options out there. I did. I'll be transparent. I did, but it just didn't make sense compared to what I had going on here. Um, well, so what drew you to? The ability. I've always admired Atlantic from afar. Um, I always, like, fuck what anybody says. Even before I got there, like, Atlantic set the standard for A&Ring, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's, at the end of the day, my passion. Like, there's a list of who's looking that would always make the rounds. That was like a Mike Karen list, mm-hmm. you know, and it was very specific on what they were looking for. I got the list because I work with producers, so I'm over here ready to looking to submit. But I had always heard stories, you know, about, you know, their process, and they're really diligent about a So I'm like, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, shout out to KP. Um, Come on, pray there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, KP was at, at the time was up there, and uh, he was just like, we had worked together uh on the yellow wolf well we had experienced that together yes yeah yeah, yeah. and um you know 
I've always admired him and his work, and we, you know, mutual admiration. So he presented the opportunity. Uh, he suggested me to Craig Common, and Craig Common in turn gave That's me a, a music call, guy. and uh, very much so. And uh, I, Craig Common, without me knowing who he was, I remember I cold emailed him about something Saigon related. I got this beat here. This is amazing. Saigon can kill it. Uh, yo, the dude responded, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And yeah. that's the guy running A and R and and everything at Atlantic. So by the way, we are on totally different levels. You're over here, we're somewhere in the other room, right? Whatever. We, we we cold emailed <laughs> Craig when we were like when we were really nobodies and about Phil Collins and he responded right back and he was like, I'm gonna look into this. Which You're was a Phil wild. Collins guy? Yeah. Well we were trying yeah. to do a, <laughs> we were trying to do a song with him. Well yeah, and it, it actually and it and it it still is a great song, but the problem was that I said that it was too lonely islandy. Well, yes, that, but the real the real problem was Oh right. He had done a, a Rolling Stone interview where he was like, I'm sitting in Switzerland, I'm gonna kill myself. Yeah. And we were like, Well Yeah, <laughs> doesn't not seem a like great a great time, time to get him on a song. <laughs> How long ago was this? Oh uh, man. Two thousand and ten. The aughts. Yeah. Yeah, it was the aughts, yeah. It was a dark time for well, Phil, I, I especially. Can, I can share this now because it probably will never happen, but I've been trying to get a victory lap album out of out of Phil Collins for years, like with you know via Drake. I'm like, do you want to go to Craig, Switzerland? I certainly <laughs> yeah. don't mind. Yeah. I'm like, Craig, you ready? It'll be Drake and Phil Collins. It, the Santana treatment. I oh want to totally give him the Santana treatment. Get yeah. Rob Thomas on there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, I thought, I thought I thought they meant you well. Santana treatment. <laughs> 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 Which, by the way, yeah, 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 fucking dudes, man. So, uh, yeah. no, Craig, Craig is like that guy. It's it definitely I, I admire and notice things like that from afar. And um, when I went there, everything I said I set out to do up there, I did. Um, in terms of just becoming a better music executive, I, you need more perspective. You just can't do one sort of thing. And that's why when I went up there, I was like, I'll do urban because that's my pedigree. I do it with my eyes closed, but I'm also allowed to do pop rock. Yeah. And I can also dab into the marketing side, working with Julie Greenwald, who's one of the smartest person. Genius. In the world. Yeah. It seems throughout your whole career and your whole life, if you want to do something, you'll go out there and try it. Yes. You'll, you'll make those first steps and like push yourself to the ledge. Yes. Was there an OG? Was there somebody that you could like to the side be like, yo, I'm considering this Atlantic deal. I'm considering leaving Shady. Maybe I'm considering two or three other places or situations that you could rely on to be like, am I crazy? I wish. I don't. Um, I have friends, if you can call them that, that I can, you know, one or two that I can rely on for some broader perspective but i can't say that i have you've never heard of someone like you know he came up Riggs came up under you know the way you know most most yeah. people do for whatever reason it's definitely not a social thing because no, i embrace we're, we're exactly the same yeah so, no one's exactly you yeah and i realized there's that no blueprint early on, yeah there is none i'm like dude, i have a twin brother who's not exactly me <laughs> no really Stop yeah. Playing. yeah yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah. really I, yeah I really, yeah. oh shit yeah Oh wow! And it's not him. It's, uh, no, no, it's no, the other one. It's my regular brother. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. Dan. Yeah. Um, shouts to Dan. He was here last night. Yeah. My man, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, nah, I don't. I never had a soundboard. I had people that I would kick it with, but this business is so territorial that when I did share with one friend, he was like, "Damn, dogs, that's, that, that sounds like the job I was supposed to get." And I was like, oh. "What? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I want to send my advice, bro." It's just like you know. Um. So I that that definitely you know put that wall up. Did did that 100%. color that relationship as well? No, not anymore because it's one of those things. I'll address it 
I'll address it right away just for the sake of moving moving forward. But um, that were, wall. Were you nervous in taking that job then? No, I was. Uh, I was relieved because I'm gonna get pretty much what I thought was a fresh new start, and I'm gonna devote the first year to kind of making up for the last couple of years of not growing. Yeah. So I've kind of got to like, if Greg will tell me some shit like, do you know something? Yeah. Who are the top liners that you like to use? Top liners. <laughs> Songwriters. Wait, what? I just listen here and over there, you're groomed and taught to connect the dots. The resources are just so vast. I was like a kid in a fucking candy store up there i can reach out to any producer any songwriter and just getting acclimated with the way they do things on a mass level was just i needed that so bad that was like rigged a and r 2.0 so you know how um once you make some move in the business there's a write-up about it right mm-hmm. you're in the trades you're you know word gets around is there somebody that you didn't expect to hear from who reached out to you and was like yo congratulations uh no, because most of my friends, I didn't really share it until it happened. I was so concerned that I wasn't, it wasn't going to go through. It was kind of surreal because it was something I really wanted to see to come to fruition. So I'm, I'm very much a jinx karma guy. So it's just like, let me just formally sign everything off. And then when it gets out, it gets out. And so, did it mean anything to your mom or dad or maybe like relatives that you see at Thanksgiving or something? The Atlantic, you know, my mom brand. Had, my mom has I'm no Erdogan. idea. None. <laughs> my mom is just like. Has she seen the mural? She knows two things: Piti Sank mm-hmm. and um, and El Blanquito, which is Eminem. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. She and Pitbull. Yeah, <laughs> loves fucking Pitbull. Should have signed Pitbull. Yeah, yeah. should have signed right. Just Armando. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> we tried to get Pitbull on the podcast, and his per- his guy reached back and was like, "Well, Armando is on the billboard right now. <laughs> he yeah. should be a fascinating one. I oh, don't yeah. think he gets enough credit no. for like Yo, what he's achieved. Also, we- like a a serious lyricist. Yes. Like we would talk about. Like I remember listening like on Friday night. Uh, you know, we all we did was listen to Hot 97, you know, and I know where I was sitting in my car when uh, he stopped by Ladies Night on Hot 97. Remember that? Uh, yeah. And like they were like, you know, just like shooting the shit and playing his records. And it was just like, man, this guy's next up. And then and he went early Armando. Yeah. He went in a different direction, clearly. Yeah. But still like a lyricist, a, a dope punch rapper. Lines. Yeah. And punchlines. There was a ra- there was a video in 99 making the rounds of Drag On from Rough Rider getting his ass handed to him. And in Hot Three years later, I found out it was Pitbull. Wow. Like, Pitbull just... Oh, I thought that you meant, like, a fight fight. No, no, no. It was, like, just... A battle. Fight club fight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very much. Yeah. So, um, wow. He's a... He'd be a fascinating one for you guys. So, some of the early people you worked with at Atlantic. um, Wiz Khalifa? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Action Bronson. Action Bronson. Um, Travi McCoy. Travi McCoy, yep, you know, an post, old old yeah, friend of ours. Post, uh, post, uh... Gym class gym heroes. Class. You know, I had that, and then I'm, you know who there's being assigned and then assigned sure since i had just got there and i was finding my footing like i know that the wheelhouse that i came from it's not gonna work here like but i did request for lupe right away wow they were like who do you want to work on i was like yo lupe like that's who i want but at the time this relationship just wasn't yeah yeah you know but i made the effort i flew down to chicago met with chill oh yeah inside you know and just like you know made a sincere plea to allow me to get in where were you when the 
protest happened outside, and Lior. That was that was before. Shady. Before, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. shady watching yeah. it from afar. But so I then you smelled the blood in the water this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but this time, you know, when if you're asking me, because I had just came off a of recovery, and yeah, I'm just like my God, if I could just do half of what I did on the recovery with Lupe, depending mm. how open he is, um, we'll. We'll get him back to, but that's when I got a lesson on the social dynamics and just like, dude, you get like the way things were approached and that whole dynamic, you gotta, it's different. There's yeah. such a massive social component to this whole thing. Well, cause I mean like, you know, you're, you're dealing with competition from within the building. Mm-hmm. And so like you have to work those relationships in ways that you didn't have to when you were the only guy really. Yeah, pretty much. We love Wiz Khalifa as a person. Um, <sighs> awesome we love human. him as an artist. Uh, working together had to be. But wonderful. I, you know, I ended up replacing his previous guy because his previous guy went off uh, to do some other stuff. His, his previous A and R. Shout out to Svi, um, who signed uh, mm-hmm. with Khalifa, and uh, that was that took work. I had to go like Twenty One Jump Street in there, bro. Meaning like I had to smoke because I. You were pretending you to be smoke? a sixteen year old. <laughs> well, I had to pretend I could fuck with the smoke. Oh yeah. <laughs> you ever smoke his shit? No. <laughs> no. It's like alien weed, right? Bro. It's like really fucks you up, and I'm just like, yo, how am I? I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a smoker, and I'm just like, I just I had the <laughs> day upon that. You know, he starts at twelve, or he starts late, so it was like a complete destruction. No one warned of the you. Membrane. Marsha didn't say anything. No, nope. Will didn't say anything. No, nope. nope. <laughs> Oh no, Will told me something. This is yo, shout out to Will. Yeah. it's my dude. Will was like, yeah. So um, this is after meeting, after meeting Will, meeting Wiz, and that this is gonna be your guy. This is Riggs. Meaning Dens, uh, Will goes to me, turns around, he goes, yeah, listen, so uh, don't bother sending anything, all right? <laughs> we're, we're just, we're fine here. I'm like, he's not going to listen to them. I'm like, okay, thank you, Will. I appreciate it. And I was like, you know, one of my closest friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but then, um, you know, I, I didn't get to establish myself in terms of what I could bring to the table. It was a weird combination of, you ready? OT Genesis and Hamilton. Okay, so a couple, wow. couple things there. <laughs> wow. Um, OT Genesis, and we talk about this all the time. Uh, we hosted the showcase down at South by Southwest where the whole Atlantic Man. roster was there. I heard stories about how good he was there. Oh, he, he was, was amazing. <laughs> so you're talking about Gucci, Meek, Cardi, Ty Dolla Sign. It just like a boogie, the roster, yeah, like everybody Q. was there. And no one outshined OT Genesis. OT Genesis had the crowd in the palm of his hand. All he has is hits. It's just like, and that was what two years ago, right? Maybe like yep. two. Three? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. it's 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 fascinating and frustrating. And now because of some of the stuff he's doing, his charisma is now matching his music, so mm-hmm. people get to see that side. So I'm thinking this year is going to be a big breakthrough for him. But the guy, that Keisha Cole thing, crazy, right? Amazing. He's got another one coming. I can't really spill the beans. Oh on my that, god, but, uh, you guys will really appreciate. No, it. he's he's a great dude, and he just makes hits. Yeah, man, which is fantastic. So uh, the other one was Hamilton. Yes. So did you know Lin-Manuel uh, well? No. How did you guys connect? And Well, because you guys are from the same area, same-ish area. the same neighborhood. Same neighborhood. I'm from Washington Heights as well. And, you know, he... Harlem. Um, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's in a show. Yeah. Harlem. It's like, you've named that you're like, I'm from Harlem. 
I'm from Washington Heights and from the Bronx. <laughs> so, well, you know. Jewel, no, I, I can't claim that. I can't claim the Bronx. One, like, 138, uh, 163rd, yeah. 183rd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, Jewel's, you know, I always took pride in Jewel's being from 140 something in Broadway. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. from that area. So, you know, it's like one of those, like, he's from uptown. Yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. Washington, Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> right. By the way, I, I have zero skin in this game. I'm just talking with you. <laughs> no, it was just like, I can't, I can't, there's no way I could claim the Bronx. And uh, with Lynn, um, we knew of each other. I knew if he was because he's the guy from the neighborhood that did a musical on the neighborhood. And he knows me from my work with Eminem and some of the stuff I did at The Source. So um, I was brought in, super honestly, as he, I was the rap guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, he was making the rounds with this idea that he had. Like his next, uh, you know, and next for my next magic trick. Because um, <laughs> he had was, already done In the Heights and he was bringing yeah. Hamilton to the labels. Yes. He was to, do, own, yes. Um, to do the soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. He pitched this idea and it was just like. And then it was a uh, for me. I was like, "Yes, let's do it." I is know, this like a normal, like just like any other artist meeting coming in, or was it different because part, he's, he's like different. a Broadway dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that he's a creative genius, and I know that he's from around the neighborhood. And on my checklist of things to do is do something really successful with someone from the old neighborhood, which I never got to do until I connected with him. Um, and trust, I've tried. Shout out to everyone I tried to put on and just completely fucked that up. Um, so he. He sells, he pitches us the idea. Pete Gambard, who was the head of, uh, he's the president of A&R at Atlantic, went to Wesleyan, his alma mater. Yeah. And it was just like, he already was like, I'm in. But nobody's seen it yet. Like, let's you know, go check it out. And um, he gave us an opportunity to go check out the dress rehearsal. But even before we went to the dress rehearsal, it was like, we, based off what he was trying to do, because he was like, there's a, a character that's like Busta Rhymes, and there's one that's like Action Bronson, and in my mind I have, and we were like, let's do a mixtape, you know? Um, when I saw the dress rehearsal was when I was like, holy shit. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was going to be the mass shit that it is now. I know that it was great. I know that it was important. And as the father of what you know of, of, of a up and coming a child on the way i said if my child could watch this and see this and experience this he'll learn hip-hop he'll learn history he'll learn musicals all in one shot wow and it had its effect on everyone so i came back running like guys we gotta do this deal because it was definitely a resistance to doing through cast albums don't sell yeah yeah at all i'm gonna get the roots about the roots aren't really selling what they, you know, they're the roots. They're the, one of the world's most important bands, but in terms of sales, not selling They're that. prestige, you yes, know, act. legacy yeah. act. Yeah, yeah. And um, both these things I was using as my pitch, and it's just, you know, wasn't really working. And, man, Craig Cowman, bless his soul, was just like, let's do it. And we did it, and other vultures started circling because now the play, the deal wasn't done, but the play was already hitting. It was at the public so now all the other labels started circling at the public theater at the public theater so yeah, before downtown. it hits Broadway yeah before it hits Broadway and so like still, yeah so the buzz started going around and it was just like fuck the deal wasn't done yeah so yeah. like yo what the hell happened so now I gotta get into super pitch mode and it was a simple pitch with Lynn it was like if you do this with us if you do this with me I guarantee you it will not get treated as a Broadway thing because you could tell in his pitch like he didn't want this to just sit on Broadway. You could hear the big pun influence, the Mob Deep influence. You know they had to clear the Biggie stuff with the estate. Like he put in work, seven years of work. He doesn't want to just fall by the wayside. And we did that. We sonically treated it like a hip hop album, which is why one of the the best 
feedbacks I get is, I listen to it with my son. I listen to it with my kid. That means that you're tolerant to the sonics, yeah. you know, of, you know, of on something that traditionally is 75% vocal hmm. and then 25%, you know, all that other yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah. know, so that did well um, at this point, you know, yeah. that's, that's you can't one. get tickets still. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, that was, that was quite, that definitely established, helped establish me at Atlantic for doing, it gave me permission to just. Yeah. Now does your mom understand that? No. No, Unfortunately, but no. did she understand in the heights? No, what? my mom is like I said. My mom, you know, rest in peace, was like she was. She's an immigrant. Like she literally, like she didn't even know English. I mean, I'm so yeah, she didn't know English. Thirty years in this fucking country, and she didn't know English. You know, so um, she didn't get it, but she kind of knew Lynn because mm-hmm. Lynn was everywhere. You know, so um, but that's basically it. You know, with with, with Spanish moms, they just are you making any money? <laughs> you know, like you know, so. What were you? <laughs> uh, Hamilton has done yeah. quite well for everyone. Good. I gotta admit, yeah. you know, because um, that the 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 economics attached to that has just been like. Bear in mind, it's doing what it's doing. We have no videos. There's barely any marketing. Yeah. You know, spent yeah. on something like that. Yeah. The word of mouth has just been massive, and then it goes from place to place. You know, and eventually the film's gonna come out, and there's always like a bump. That's why it's at, you know where it's at. For as much success as you had previous to Hamilton, right? And you can talk about all the artists that you worked with, mm-hmm. and all the the cool things and the cool places you've done. Uh, Barack Obama, mm-hmm. Michelle Obama, you know, um, Grammys. Oh, Jay Beyonce. Jay Beyonce. There's it's it's a bigger sort of world than maybe you were used to. What did Hamilton do to change your life? Um, at peak powers Eminem, you could drop his name in any household, white, black, and it's like, oh, Eminem. Oh, El Blanquito. <laughs> El Blanco. Um, but with Hamilton, it's a different monster. It is definitely, if, like, I'll go in being judged, and once the word gets out who what I've done with Hamilton, it's just like I'm freaking... Every wedding you go to... yes. Somebody comes up to you and is like, oh, I just heard, you know, I, I don't want to say anything, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as you guys, you know, no, I don't really brag or just like, it's just mm-hmm. not my cup of tea. But once it gets out, it's a different thing. And even with doctors and nurses and senators or whatever, it's just like, you know, it definitely, it, it resonates. Did you just say doctors or way. nurses or senators? <laughs> yeah. No, it's just like. It's pretty know, great. That, yeah. It's pretty that's great. amazing. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, you're playing in a different, and it's by far, like I just, uh, before that. The standard for me was like, all right, I got a diamond single with Love the Way You Lie. Mm-hmm. I gave M Monster before I left. Like, I did quite well in terms of, but this one was the most fulfilling. Yeah. It, that's this is one. Like, where, like you said before, that's your guy from your neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty special. On so many, like, that's why, like, on the sales side, I recently posted something up about the sales because it was kind of surreal. It's just like, wait, what? Like, I knew it was doing well, but not like to this 30,000. Like it's, <laughs> it's a little something, and I'm just like, but fulfilling, just in terms of you know what it meant, what it's done for the culture. The fact that one of the things I take a lot of pride in it is it sat number one on the hip hop charts, like for about two weeks. So that was kind of cool. What's the best story you have of taking somebody to go see it, dude? Busta, because <laughs> Busta was my like, Busta was kind of like my Hiroshima to try to seal the deal. <laughs> I knew that he was on top of. Of Lynn's list of, and I'm like Busta. We had just done OT Genesis, so I kind of knew Busta. Yeah, but mm-hmm. Busta at least trusted me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, listen, I need you to go check something out real quick. Like, I, I, it's it's a, it's weird. It's a weird ask, 
but I need you to come see this musical with me. He's like, musical? <laughs> the only time he had available was coming off of some flight where he was super jet lagged. So I'm like, all right, he's committed to doing it. And Buster's coming. The whole cast is just like, oh my God, Buster Rhymes is here. Sits in the front. Buster's tired, dude. Buster's like on a jet lag. And Buster's watching it. He's enjoying it. But then Buster just knocks out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And I would do something like, I would, because I'm sitting next to him, I would do something like, oh, shit. <laughs> do a little nudge, like a homie nudge, like, hey, yeah, yeah. Just to wake him up because, dude, we're going to, like, you're helping me, but you're hurting me right now. But um, he definitely, look, he played an integral part and just like, you know, he came by, hung out. They, like, he loved it, legit. Like, he even. <laughs> He did some show afterwards, and he can. They connected him with the costume designer, so he can get the king's outfit for his. Uh, well, his... just w- one thing about Buster. Buster is also uh, similar to uh, Paul in that he is a Giant. gigantic human See? being. Right. When, when you're sitting next to him, is it like being on like uh, an airline and somebody is just like you know too wide for the seat and you are just like crushed? <laughs> Yes, which made the shoving a little easier. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So I'm glad you pointed that out. It wasn't like I had to go like this. It was more like a quick little, and then he would just wake up. And then he was super engaged when we went afterwards. But um, yeah, him, I, it just it turned into a, I started smuggling motherfuckers. Cause it's a hard <laughs> thing to convince people to go check out. Even Paul, I wanted M involved in some capacity. So mm. I'm like, I'm going to get Paul involved. But I've, M doesn't leave the house. No, but he did for this, though. That's wow. nice. Like we got him. That says something. Yeah, we got I mean, it's something about down. you. I think we got we you know got him to come down, enjoy you know day in New York, whatever, and just like you know, shout out to Lem Blavatnik who uh, yeah. yeah lent us the uh, the yeah the PJ the yeah. PJ <laughs> make it work. Um, but but um, uh, freaking Paul, I come to find out the day after because I sent Neva. I this is one of those where I cashed in on the Paul homie card. I was like, dude. You have to go with this. <laughs> I know what I'm presenting is weird. I know it's this and that. He was like, all right, fine. He spent the entire fucking next 24 hours until he had to go all around the office. And this guy back to me like, fucking Riggs. We're supposed to go to this <laughs> stupid fucking play of his. Can't believe we're doing this. Anyway, we can cancel, blah, blah, blah. Which is funny because I didn't know this till after he hit me. was like, yo, that was amazing. Man. You know, so it was. So Hamilton, humongous success, mm-hmm. uh, leads into a bunch of other uh, cool opportunities in the Heights, yeah. which started off on Broadway, is now going to be a major motion picture. Yes. And you are working on the music for that. Yes. Like up until at least uh, like right before the holidays. Yeah. So what is that process like? How much do you enjoy that? And how meaningful is it to be about the neighborhood you grew up in? By a guy who started in that neighborhood as well. I don't want to speak prematurely in saying that that's probably the pinnacle of my fulfillment and what I was looking to accomplish for somebody from the neighborhood. But man, like he's he himself is just a genuinely, legitimately good human being. Like he's just what you see is what you get when you deal with them. Um, creative genius aside, all that stuff. He's just a good human being. Um, we don't formally do all the Lynn stuff, like like legally. It's based off like relationship. He's in no rush to do anything with anyone, but he does everything with us because there's a trust there. So um, when he signed my, uh, when the, the Hamilton book came out, he had signed mine, and I thought, this is for you. So I opened it, and he put, Riggs, thanks for keeping your promise. 
You wow. Know, and that's when I promised them, you know, that I would treat it like a yeah yeah and that in itself just that led to opportunities whether it's him just doing charitable stuff uh for puerto rico or anything Mm -hmm. in regards to him and also i think we provide a nice little outlet for him to really fuck like the duke of rap you know so i'm like we have outlets for you to express that whenever you feel like it when we handed in worked my way out uh for with with the Nas record he was just like i think i might have to get on this i'm like bro <laughs> go for it you know so um and that i'm sure was off his that's on his checklist mm-hmm. yeah. a record with nas you know so um it it's it's amazing um seeing your neighborhood on film especially high bridge pool which is where like folks used to like go take their pit bulls to fucking give them bass and You've encountered more than three submarine fucking brown submarines in that. You get your sneakers <laughs> taken. like, And this is the middle of a big choreographed dance number. And it's, you know, he uh, he wanted to make sure. Thank you, Harvey Weinstein, for fucking that up. Because Harvey Weinstein had the uh, he had the rights and was adamant about shooting this in L.A. Wow. What? Wait, what? Yeah. So when finally this shit happened, folks walked in and was like, hey, so... Uh, yeah. And, wow. Uh, and it worked itself out to where he shot everything in the neighborhood, and to see these places in the neighborhood just on film has been pretty, pretty surreal. Oh, yeah, I have, I have a few questions. Yeah. Um, sort of like a lightning round, but like go off mm-hmm. as as much. It's just like I have three Same more. Same if I could just jump in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, you were there in Japan. Yes. When Eminem met Mac Miller. Yeah. What was that like? Mac Miller was like. Dude, that's that's my that was my first time meeting Mac Miller, and Mac Miller was just like almost like timid, you know, really appreciative, um, and you know you couldn't tell there was any signs of any darkness. He was just like a good kid, um, and you know you kind of again give him this space. They finally meet. It's in Japan, out of all places. He had just seen the show, and they were just kicking it, and I think they stayed in touch uh, from then on. But um, that's one I would have loved to have seen them collaborating. Yeah. Because you know? mm-hmm. I think um, especially the Mac Miller that we were getting at the later stage would have been a really good look with them, you know, because he was advancing in a really awesome way. Yeah. Um, related to that, Alchemist was there. Yes. And you've known Alchemist forever. Mm-hmm. You've traveled all over with him. Now, we know that because uh, we, saw, we saw Action Bronson at an airport and he and his road manager and Alchemist were all traveling together. Mm-hmm. And the road manager and, and action were pissed <laughs> because Alchemist is the only one of the three who checks, checks his luggage. <laughs> <laughs> that's some Alchemist. Shit. So I want to know what's it like to travel with Alchemist. Well, that's the thing. I can't say that I've traveled with him enough, but I'm surprised to hear like we're carry on people. <laughs> like in this line of work, you carry on. Nobody checks. In. Get in I, and get out. Yeah, yeah, I'll check in if I'm just not in the mood to lug shit around and I have enough time to spare once I land. But nobody checks in. That is kind of like that's like cutting a snicker. Yeah. You know? So come on, Al. Speaking of people who have done great by your neighborhood, we all know that you're from the Bronx, and you were in a photo. Kill Marsha thinks I'm from the Bronx. I'm sorry, I had to laugh. Marsha, you know, and Kareem, her man, yeah. he was like, yo, BX. Yeah, yo, yeah. BX. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta talk to Kareem. And just let him know. Sorry. But you were you were in a photo very early on, like '97, with um, Big Pun, Fat with, Joe, uh, the Beat Nuts, Angie. Yeah. yeah. So where was that, and like, how did that all? And you're happen? all in white. Yeah, that yeah. was a Santeria ritual. No, it was. <laughs> it was an off the books video shoot, 
And at that time, I was I was a big pun advocate. Like, you know, you didn't see it coming. But for, as a Latino, a hip-hop Latino in the game, you know, it's like what he's about to do, or at least is on the verge of doing, you know, you try to document as much of it and being involved with it. A little well-known fact, in the off-the-books video, I'm the Herb getting beat up by uh, Psycho Less. Congratulations. <laughs> that is I. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So when he says... Uh, Motherfucker saying fuck Lester. I'm saying fuck Lester. <laughs> wow. So that was from that video. You were the motherfucker. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, Future was going to do a video for uh, I Just Fucked Your Bitch and some Gucci flip flops. And the yeah. guy whose bitch was being fucked was going to be Eric. Hey, Eric was cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, video, video never got uh, published, but that's fine. That's yeah. fine. How did that work? How does that oh, work? It's a, it's a longer, <laughs> stupid story where Future fucked his bitch and some Gucci flip flops. Yeah, yeah. It's rather crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it is true. Can you talk about uh, our man, Green Lantern? Uh, any good stories Green. from Green? Oh, my God. Green Lantern. It's funny. I don't think about Green Lantern until I'm asked about Green Lantern. And then it just takes you through like a <laughs> five or six year period of working with one of the funniest, creative, you know, uh, DJs. Like he, you know, he set a pretty awesome standard. Like mm-hmm. that dude, you know, I got to work with him on an album uh, that was supposed to come out on Shady. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the whole Jadakus thing mm-hmm. happened, kind of fucked that up. But yeah. like, he, uh, a lot more talented that he gets credit for. Green Lantern. Yep. He works hard, you know. Um, one of my favorite folk. I haven't seen him in years, so great dude. I can't say I have any stories that I'm able to tell on record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, about Green Lantern. How much of you today is still that same kid who grew up on 163rd or 138th, whichever? Yeah, Bronx. or in the Bronx. Yeah, <laughs> or the the Bronx. Bronx. yeah, yeah. Shout yeah, yeah. to the X. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say still. Not a day goes by that I don't get reminded. Uh, I, you haven't forgot about your neighborhood at all, and I just don't get reminded of my plight, and which is why my standards are so high when I work with people, especially like with interns or just like anyone. It's just like you know, like I'm judging you already. Because I'm like, let me see if you have any of the remnants or any of the things that I did. You know, um, this guy right here is actually one of my favorite. You know, it's, it's shout out to, to Nick, Nick Watkins. Yeah. Shout out to Nick Watkins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to say like Nick Watkins. <laughs> um, uh, like even like, you know, with Nick, it's just like, all right, like Nick served as temp for a hot second over at Atlantic. And I've always kept in mind during that small window that I got to deal with him, like, He's going places, you know. He just happens to be a talented photographer as yeah, well. Yeah, he made it to our apartment. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Up, yeah. yeah, you know. But um, I I see that, and one of the things that I'm very proud of, um, I I have no problem putting somebody on, at all, especially if there's a uh, something about them that I can relate to, no matter the you know, no matter the the race, color, breed, whatever. Like it's a big thing for me, which is, so I want to apologize to everyone for Johnny Nunez. <laughs> oh my god that is my fault <laughs> um i do have a question about that uh he took a picture of you and george lucas yes how did that happen let me tell you how that happened my friend so johnny i met johnny when johnny and lenny yeah before he was an a and mm-hmm. they used to both come by the source and give me pictures for the coast to coast section yeah they would always come in like clockwork so they kept my shit easy all i had to do was just fill in the blanks and just write the uh write the taglines Johnny, I didn't know at the time, was living in a home, in a car, just yeah. like really going through it. So that would help him. Um, years go on, and you know Johnny, you're at an event. He makes you pose next to Russell, even though you don't know Russell. <laughs> yeah. like, hey Eric, you know Russell? Know, yeah. And then he takes a thousand pictures of you and Russell. You never see that picture. No, ever. never, never, ever. 
So <laughs> one day there was a Russell Simmons tribute or something taking place. I had I we got a table at Shady. I go and I'm talking to uh Jeff Sledge. And I'm like talking to Jeff, I was like, you see this dude behind me, this motherfucker look like George Lucas. <laughs> I turn around and I'm like, bro, that's really jo- yeah, I need a fo- dude, I need a photo. Like I, I need a photo. Who's going to take this photo? I'm waiting, I'm looking around. I had to go to someone who I didn't want to go to and kind of do this pitch. I'm like, listen, man, I don't usually ask for this, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, can we just, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna go speak to George and whatever. Well, he just sat down to eat. I'm like, fuck, all right, let's, let's see what we could do. Let's comb, the, let's comb the perimeter. As I'm walking towards the perimeter, who walks in? Shameless Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> Who's Mr. I owe you for everything I've done? Johnny. So Johnny walks in. I'm like, oh my God, Johnny. I straight ran to this. You're like, Johnny, George Lucas is at the table. I need this fucking photo. And that's part one is yeah. getting the photo. Johnny, in his innocently obnoxious self, goes to fucking George Lucas, who has this tucked, like he has the napkin tucked, eating. He's like, Mr. Lucas, have you met Rigoberto Morales? Gives him the government. Wow. Have you met Rigoberto Morales? And he gets up. He does the courtesy, you know, give me the, the, the courtesy freaking handshake. By the time he realizes that I'm a fucking nobody, Johnny then took like a thousand photos. It was like, it was like a quick hi, thank you. No, just big fan of your work. I just want to say, please continue eating, you know. And I left. Then I had to follow Johnny for the rest of the night oh to get God. the fucking photo. <laughs> so I had to go to the room that he has a computer and log on, and I finally got that picture. So yeah, that's how I got it. And to me, that's karma slash paying it forward. Yeah. I've never asked Johnny for a single thing. I don't plan on it. You don't ask him for him. the Getty password? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yo, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know what? That's a really good one. Um, nah, dude. And it's just like, that's, you know what? For all the times that you say you owe me, this is all I need. I just yeah. need this one moment. Um, and I, to me, it goes back to fulfillment. Like, I've, I've, one thing I've learned in this business, man, like, you can't, you can't believe your own hype. I mean, in my, in my opinion, you can't believe your own hype. This shit could end, especially in the line of work that I do. Like, you know, it's built on, you know, hits and just like, you know, relevancy or whatever, whatever. I've managed to had a pretty awesome career that started from internships 20 years ago all the way to what I'm doing now. There's still more to go. Um, and sometimes I'll spot the next version of me. And I was just like, you know what? Go ahead, your turn. But I'm just going give you one shot. If you don't take advantage of that, that's on you. You know, and uh, that's where we at with it, man. I made a commitment a long time ago that I was like, you know, I was in a situation where I was just like, you know, man upstairs. I was just like, hey, send them to me. I'll take care of the rest. Mm. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I go to church every Sunday or nothing like that. But I am very much rooted uh, in spiritual belief, karma, and, you know, um, there's, there's a lot. It's time to give back. Yeah. Riggs, congratulations on everything to this point. It's it's really a one-of-one one path, and uh, we just appreciate you sharing it with us, um, everything in your past. And as far as the future, as they say on Broadway, and also, as they say, when Riggs jumps on a Razor scooter, break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And by the way, I want to shout out Jason Davis, who I know, like, every time I see you guys, yeah. hanging out with Jason, who... I'm gonna put him on the spot is one of the funniest motherfuckers. He is Jewish. That I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a part of me that, you know, because I, I, I love, you know, comedy as well. And it's just like, there's a part of me that's like, in another life, I'm gonna end up doing something with this guy. Like, just 
some sort of writing something. Props to you guys, because, you know, without it, you know, I'm just keep it funky. I remember when you guys did the Don't Be Mad UPS is hard. Yeah. And that's when you guys first came on my radar. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Like, folks that can bring humor and hip-hop into one, and to see you guys evolve has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Nah, totally, man. Thanks everyone for listening to this new episode of Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, people want to find out more about us. I'm Eric, you're Jeff. Together, we are It's The Real, no apostrophe. The space that people want to find out more about this podcast is called Waste Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on with us, Jeff, where can they go? You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com. I put a little flare in there. Nice. I also think that you can find us on any streaming platform, including the one that you are currently listening to. You think we can? I bet you could. <laughs> if you try hard enough, you can find us on Spotify. You can even go to Apple, Wow, CastBox, Overcast, Acast, YouTube, Pippa, Wow, the whole gang, yeah, the whole slew. <laughs> go, go search for. You want to know what? I dare you to find us on Spotify. There you go. Yeah, that'll that'll show you. Here's a challenge. Jeff, are you still Bing Gang? <laughs> yeah. You want to find us on Bing? Uh, where can people find us on social media? Social media. I'm talking about at It's The Real on Twitter, at It's The Real on Instagram. And hey, did I tell you guys about Bing? <laughs> Jeff, now is the time when we like to shout people out. Supporters, people who are great human beings, people who listen to the end of the podcast. Jeff, who are you looking to shout today? I want to shout out my upstairs neighbor <laughs> for not continuing to drill into my ceiling. Yeah, one one hole is enough. <laughs> one hole, that's it. <laughs> that's where it begins and that's where it ends. Jeff, have you uh, knocked on the ceiling? Have you let them know that this is not to be? I, I'm going to tell you what I honestly thought about doing. Thought about... Rescrewing it upwards. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? When they walk around in their bare feet. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out Jason Davis. Yeah. That's two shout outs on this episode That's for Jason. Great. That's pretty great. Jason's been wondering what the shout out was <laughs> for the past week. Well, guess what? There's there two. Yeah, now there are two. Jeff, I want to shout out all of our friends up there in Vancouver, British Columbia. All of them? Well, specifically our guy Nico, who when we shouted him out in the previous episode and we said listen he welcomed us into his shop and was a huge fan of ours and then told us about the sale that they were having in their store and the sale was still expensive we said uh, i mean it was only a thousand canadian dollars that's which right. is really like 850 american dollars we said thank you have a good day mm-hmm. we left came back to america with no jacket no jacket but on instagram the other day Nico showed up in an Instagram live and said, hey, if you really want that Don C jacket, 850 American dollars. <laughs> Shout out to our guy, Nico. Shout out to all you guys for listening. As always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. See you guys next week. Carazzo.